Put on your mental track shoes and run with me. This is the Pow Wow with Myra. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today we have Reggie Brown. Reggie, thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Reggie is a veteran on the DFW basketball college coaching scene for the past two decades plus or more. Less. Less. Uh, maybe, well, you add the training and all that, I will say more. Yeah, right. Yes. Plus, plus. Mm -hmm. So he's <clears throat> he's an Arlington, Texas native who starred for Sam Houston High School and played ball at UTA from 1993 to 97. He started every game over his final two years in a Maverick uniform. During his junior season, he averaged a career high 19 points and 4.3 assists while ranking fifth in the Southland Conference in steals and sixth in the league in assists. Reggie also excelled academically, earning recognition as a member of the SLC's all-academic team in 1994-95. Following his collegiate career, uh, collegiate career, Reggie went to Europe to play professionally and spent the 1997-1998 season with the Tolka Rovers in Ireland. Did I say that correctly? You said that right, exactly. That season, he averaged 24 points and appeared on the cover of one of Ireland's basketball magazines. Reggie returned to UTA following that season to complete his bachelor's degree in speech communication in 1999. He later coached at Arlington Bowie High School from 99 to 2002 serving as the junior varsity boys basketball the junior varsity boys basketball coach and a varsity assistant at Bowie Brown's team won 3 district championships and one by district title he served 7 years as an assistant coach at UT Arlington where he was promoted to associate head coach prior to the 2008-2009 season during his tenure the, uh, the Mavericks won the 2008 Southland Tournament to earn their first ever NCAA tournament appearance, while he also helped the squad win the 2004 Southland Conference regular season championship. In seven seasons with the Mavericks, he helped coach 11 student athletes to a 13 all-conference honors, including first four team selections. Later at SMU, Reggie helped it record its two best seasons since joining Conference USA prior to 2005-2006. He concluded the year with the Mustangs, which marked the program's most successful campaign in more than a decade. The squad advanced to the semifinals in the CollegeInsider.com tournament. And in 2011, Reggie became TCU's assistant coach. Um, since then, I'm sure you have done so much more, uh, but why don't you tell us, like, what are you doing today? Who are, Who's Reggie Brown today? Today. <clears throat> so after I left TCU, um, I did get offered a job to go to Boston College to coach basketball there. But at that time, you know, my oldest daughter was a track runner, um, and I felt like Boston would not be a good place to raise a track button because of the weather and you know it's cold up there so it's kind of just different when it comes to track so texas and florida those are like the places you want to be when you have a track athlete so instead of 
going to Boston College. Um, I reached out to my sister, who um, was the CEO of Chase Bank, Consumer Banking, and I was like, look, I need a job, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that, because I don't want to move my, you know, my daughters and everybody to Boston. So at that point, I started working for Chase. Um, never thought I would ever be in corporate America. You know, I thought I was going to always be a coach. And so it was definitely something different. I had a lot of people telling me, like, oh, you're not going to last in corporate America. You know, I've done it and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I don't go by what other people say. I got experience for myself. Mm. Um, so I started coaching. I mean, I started working at Chase, and um, which now I've actually been doing that for, I think, 10 years now, which I never would have thought I would be in corporate America for 10 years. But about three or four years ago, I started – remember I was watching America's Got Talent and uh, I was on the back patio just, you know, watching it. And uh, this one guy was talking about like his passion, his dream. You know, he was like, you know, I'm to the point where I feel like my purpose is to dance. So I was like, man, what is my purpose? Like, what's really my purpose? I know my purpose was not to be working for just a bank. Like, what is my purpose? And it's always been to help kids. So that was like on a, maybe on Wednesday or Thursday, I started like, man, my passion is kids. By that Saturday, I made some phone calls, and I was training 10 kids, you know, at Kennedale High School, just outside. Just I'm just going to do it for free. I'm just going to just train kids. I want to just – my passion is kids. My passion is helping develop the youth. So um, I started training kids and decided to open up my own facility. After a couple of years, I had parents like, man, we need to do this full time, and I got tired of loading all my equipment up to the track every weekend, putting it back in my pickup truck, going back up there. So I looked for a building and got one. So what I've been doing since TCU, working at Chase, and now I have my own um, facility where I train kids in basketball and agility training. So that's what I'm doing now. Wow. <laughs> that That is awesome. What a, what a great story, uh, especially, you know, leading up to it. You said you started thinking about what your purpose mm-hmm. was. And then you decided to, hey, I'm just going to do it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, that's really when, you know, like, if you, you're willing to do something, even if it's, like, at the point starting to do it, if you're willing to do it for free, I mean, I think that is the true definition of a purpose, mm-hmm. right? That's right. Um, and then, you know, making it your business so that you can have the 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 resources to continue helping kids because i mean we have new babies born every day right. right right so we have youth every day wow so we we know you're an arlington native so how was how was your your growing up how is what kind of household did you grow up in with how many siblings yeah so um my mom was an educator so she was a school teacher um in dallas my dad worked for xerox um he worked in the warehouse for xerox um, so, you know, my dad was big on sports. My mom was big on academics. So it was good. I had a, mm. we had a balance of both. So it was me. I was, the, I'm the baby. So my sister, Tashana Brown Duckett, she's actually the CEO of a company called TIAA now. Um, she was the CEO of Chase Bank Consumer Banking. So she's, you know, one of the, she's, I think she's the third, maybe African-American woman to ever be a CEO of a Fortune 100 company. So, and that's my middle sister. Then my oldest brother, um, Jamal Brown, he was the oldest. Um, he played at Ohio State for four years, and uh, he just passed away in November. So, yeah, so it's it's been six months, so that's been still tough dealing with, you know, that. But uh, it was us three and our parents, so we grew up over here in the east side of Arlington. Um, to be honest, 
we didn't really have nothing. We came down from New York. Uh, we had a we moved from New York. I was born in New York, and uh, mm. we my dad job transferred here, and I mean we had to leave everything. We just came whatever we could fit in a seventy five Lincoln. We threw everything in our car, and we just started our life here in Texas with nothing, uh, and we left everything behind, and we just came here. I remember we're eating off of mats and cradles, and we had nothing, so we started our life from scratch. Um, and, but we, nobody ever knew that, you know, we was always taught to give, you know, if mm-hmm. somebody didn't have lunch at school, I had to give them my lunch money because I knew I had a meal when I got home. Um, but that's the way we were raised. And, but you know, we never knew we didn't have, we didn't know. We thought this was life. We thought we were good. So, um, yeah, we grew up in Arlington and me and my brother and my sister and our two parents and that, that's. That was it. Do you have uh, any other family here in in DFW? No, all of our family is pretty much um, either in New York or in Louisiana. Okay. So it's just us out here um, in in Texas. That's it. Uh, How old were you when you guys relocated? I was in the third grade. So I probably was maybe, what, 10, maybe 10 when I moved out here. Mm. Um, So left New York and came here. How was that transition for you? To me, I didn't. I was still young, you know. So to me, it was just when you're that age, you can find friends quick. Because back in our day, we we played outside. Mm-hmm. These days, I don't know what I would want to do if because <laughs> kids are inside these days. It's like I don't know how people even find friends no more. It's like online friends. But back then, you know, you could just walk outside and you just start playing, and next thing you know, you got friends and everybody loved you. So it was it was cool when I moved out here to Texas. It was different. Um, being in New York, I thought that Texas was about cowboys and <laughs> riding horses, and it was like when I came out, I was like, "Oh, they got cars out here!" Like, what? You know, <laughs> so it was seriously like we didn't know because in New York they used to have a movie called Dallas, and or a show called Dallas, and we thought this was what Texas was about. So when I moved out here, I was like, "Oh, they got cars, and you know, everybody doesn't wear cowboy hats and stuff like that." So <laughs> it was a culture shock, but it was in a good way. I was like, "Okay, this is this is pretty cool. The weather is good. I like it." Yeah, did did you leave any any friends back there that that maybe you still connect with today? I, I know that was such a young age, but you know you I, never know. Yeah, I did. My sister and brother were a little bit older, so mm-hmm. like they still had friends. Because my brother, he was in maybe in the ninth grade when he moved down here, so he had some friends. But mm-hmm. for me, it was once I left New York. That was that it. was it. That was and it. Yeah. Started here since the third grade and haven't left since. It's funny. Uh, we have a few things in common. For example, uh, you went to Sam Houston High mm-hmm. School. I went to Sam, he- Sam Houston High School myself. Um, and my family also relocated here mm-hmm. from, from but from Denver. And I was in the fourth grade. So, you know, close. it's close, right? So, uh, like, I remember for me, I hated it. Mm-hmm. I like my mom and my dad had a for sale sign at our home and I would like take it out and put it in the back because I didn't want people to right. see it was for sale. So it was, for me, it was, it was hard. Like mm-hmm. I, I hated the thought of moving to Texas. Now it's like, I, I don't think I would go back. I'd go back a, all day for vacation, mm-hmm. but, um, we both live. left, I guess like, like cold weather places too for this nice warm weather. So yes. I don't want to deal with snow and all that stuff. <laughs> Oh, yes. I can't imagine myself uh, even in the winter shelling, home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the windshield and stuff right. to, to get out. And yeah, so that was that's it's interesting. We have a, a few things in common. Also, uh, I would say basketball for me, it's one of my favorite nice. uh, sports. I played sports mm-hmm. throughout um, well, growing up in junior and junior high and high school. OK. And basketball was Definitely. Did you play it, or you yeah, just? I played oh, it. nice. Yeah, yeah, I played. I mean, no, nothing crazy like you. Um, I had a 
I, I had a like a different mindset. I, I, I thought I was I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. really to pursue things. Which now it's like, now now I see the importance of having mentors such like you mm-hmm. that you help develop, and you know it's more of a, a keep training, let's work on it, and things you know. So um, I I really admire what you do now with 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 the kids, and you know what you've done throughout uh, your 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 history it was tough um being the baby i'm not gonna lie because my brother and sister they were like the stars at sam houston and like jamal my brother you know he's one of the, you know he's got inducted into the sports hall of fame in arlington but like then he played varsity as a sophomore because back when we were growing up high school was 10th through 12th grade so if you could play varsity as a sophomore you was like a stud mm-hmm. so he played varsity as a sophomore and started then my sister played varsity as a sophomore and started and I played JV as a sophomore. Didn't play varsity, so I was like, oh, you're nothing like your brother. You're nothing like your brother. So there was points where it was hard, you know, being the sibling of two stars at Sam Houston, Ooh. and you're coming up in their shadows. And sometimes it was tough, you know, and, and things like that. But I think that's what, you know, drove me was like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, continue to try to prove people wrong because I feel like I've been doing that my whole life is proving people wrong and mm. stuff like that. But basketball has been a, a great avenue for us. Um, my parents, you know, we didn't have college funds and all that so we knew that in order to go to college we had to get a scholarship that's it was like get a scholarship or i don't know what to tell you so my dad always said if you get a scholarship i'll buy you a car back then we thought that was great when you think about it a car only costs like ten thirteen thousand dollars and you think well that's definitely cheaper than paying for college but that was our mindset if we go to college we give us a car um and stuff like that. But I didn't realize I was going to take my brother's hand-me-down car. Like, I didn't get a new car like my brother. <laughs> I had to get the hand-me-down car. But um, that was our goal. We knew that in order for us to go to college, we have to just honestly get a scholarship. Work and for it. Work for it. It wasn't about putting money aside because we didn't have no money to put aside. So, um, But that's kind of the what drove us. And we come from a basketball family. We all play basketball. And, um, and I think that just – playing sports it teaches you a lot mm-hmm. you know just that drive that competitiveness teamwork mm-hmm. um you just build so many relationships and bonds with sports and it just teaches you even a lot in a corporate america those transferable skills being a part of a team um and stuff like that so sports have really just paved the way for our family and it's helped us to become you know where we are now so it's been just i, I love it i love basketball it's got the chance to see the world playing basketball so it's been definitely a blessing did uh did you play uh basketball or any sports prior to like say junior high when they you know here and and it we don't really have those options in an elementary mm-hmm. here anyways or uh, you know when I went to school we didn't really have sports as an option if you wanted to play sports it was more you had to kind of have a uh, play outside mm-hmm. with some sort of team did you play any sports prior to junior high well yeah we played everything you know growing up we did the the cycle, which was back then basketball, baseball, soccer. I mean, basketball, baseball, football. Mm. So I played all those three sports. You know, when we were growing up, we did all three. Now it seems like you have to specialize in one now. It's almost like if you do all three now, you're going to get behind in one of the sports. So I'm glad that, you know, when we were growing up, we was able to do all sports and just have fun. So I did do baseball. I did do football and, of course, basketball. So I did all three sports growing up. We all did that back then. Everybody done. Everybody did three sports growing up, so – that was the norm. Now you, you mentioned like uh, like later the 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 incentive at home was uh, you know get a scholarship mm-hmm. and you get a car. Um, 
was that kind of the way you were raised, like, like before getting, hey, you're going to get a car? Like, was there any incentives that your parents or like, how did, how did they help uh, other than, you know, involving you guys in sports, um, any other incentives to, to do good and do well, say, say, say in, in your elementary years, what was, what was it that like at home? We just always was a sports family. Like we, Mm. it just, our dad really pushed sports. Mm. Um, And like I said, my mom pushed academics. Um, So of course, if we're not taking care of our academics, we couldn't play sports. So that was one of our incentives playing sports, we had to do good academically. Mm. Um, But um, sports has always been big in our family. It's just something that we did growing up, I think, by my dad being a, you know, he never went to college, um, but he played sports in high school and all that. I think he just understood that, you know, this is probably the best avenue for African-American kids maybe to make it out of here. You got to, sometimes it's, sports is probably our easiest way to get out. And, you know, and I'm glad he did, you know, push sports on us. But our mom made sure we had that balance when it came to the church side of things, when it came to the academic side of things, the social life. She made sure that it's not just all sports. Like, look, you know, you guys are going to get out there and do community work. You guys are going to go to church on Sundays. You know, you guys are going to, if you want to go out there and play basketball, you better get your homework done first. So, oh. you know, it was, we had a, a good childhood, but it was also a great balance with a mom that was big on academics and a dad that was big on sports. So it was a great balance growing up. It was a great <clears throat> mixture there. Great. Wow. Wow. Uh, are, where are your parents at now? They're here um, in Mansfield area. So okay. they're still here and still, you know, doing good things and still, you know, being involved in the community. Mm. So we do have a nonprofit organization in our parents' name. It's called the Otis and Rosie Brown Foundation that my sister started. It's called Extraordinary Is. And it's one of the things where we look for ordinary people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area doing doing extraordinary things. So we give away grant scholarships. Um, Every year we have a big gala. Um, Last year, Wyclef performed there. We've had Kevin Frazier for Entertainment Tonight is always our MC. So it's been pretty big. We started with just me, my brother, and my sister, and and now we we've grown and every gala sells out and it's been good that we could give back um, to the community. Um, we've done so much for the city. Um, the library in downtown Arlington is named after my parents in the living room. It says the oldest and Rosie Brown living room. Oh, stop! When you walk in, so we've been you know we've been Arlington people. Just try to give back. Um, my sister got a playground in my dad's name in Arlington. It's called the Pops Playground because we call my dad Pops. So when you walk into that court over there by John's Elementary, over there in the east side of town by Hugh Smith and all that, there's a court out there in our parents' name. And on the floor, it has, like, all these positive, like, sayings, like, extraordinary is reading, extraordinary is smiling, extraordinary is being the best. When you're out there, you could just keep looking at the stuff on the floor. So we have a court in our parents' name out there, which it's because we, my dad grew up playing street ball so we want to definitely put a park in his name out there so it's pretty cool to go out there and play at your dad's park <laughs> oh my gosh i got the chills mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah and amazing. i think was making even because we came from nothing nothing so it's good to just see that you know you could come from nothing and be able to now give back and don't forget where you come from so everything we do we just give like it's we just do it from a heart our my mom model was just do it from the heart just do it from the heart that's we got t-shirts that says we just do it from the heart, and mm-hmm. that's what we do. So we just like to give, 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 and we don't expect nothing back. We just we're about giving. I mean, that's all I know. Just like the other day, I was literally at the gas station, and this guy pulls up in a bike, and 
I just gave him the shoes off my feet and drove home with my socks on. That just, I, I mean, these were some brand new shoes I just got, but it's not about that for us. It's like, we just give. And I literally drove home with socks on, but that's just the way we were brought up. And we're about just helping, giving back, and don't forget where you come from. So Honestly, like, <clears throat> this is gold because really the 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 whole reason of, like, you know, even, like, me doing the podcast is, like, inspiration by by people that that just do and they give and they're here to support and you know and also share like their background like and, and kind of kill those those stereotypical thoughts where you know it's you, you kind of have to come from you know a certain family you kind of have to come from a certain you know uh, uh kind of history to to do big things mm-hmm. and you know and and this is literally like like just proof of 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 the sky's the limit. You just <laughs> you know you just have to follow your heart. I think I, I think it it comes a lot from that. Like if you follow your heart, you just and eventually things will will happen. And I'm curious to know um what your what your 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 day to day kind of life was as as a child, say in high school, mm-hmm. like playing uh playing sports and what did you do to prepare yourself or to you know to put yourself in a position to to be the best that you could and for us you know my brother was a great role model for us you know he said we saw the way he worked and being a younger sibling and you just see how hard that your oldest brother works and seeing him get up in the morning and running and working out running the bleachers like man you know I, I saw what it took and for him to play at the highest level you know, at the Ohio State, you know, it was big. So for me, just having a role model like my brother, that's kind of, I'm like, you know what? I saw him and I'm going to model myself after my brother. So that just made me want to get up and and work, work, work. And, you know, one of the models that I, one of my favorite quotes was, you know, a champion is made when no one else is watching. So like I was that person that will set my alarm at three o'clock in the morning just to wake up and do some push-ups because I feel like, you know, nobody's doing no push-ups at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get up at 3 and do some push-ups because who else is doing push-ups at 3 in the morning? Or I'm that person when it's raining outside, I'm about to go work out because nobody else is working out in the rain. But I always just felt like let me try to outwork everybody because my brother was blessed with just – he was always bigger than everybody. I was small. It's like I tell my parents, like, dude, y'all didn't give me nothing. Like everything just skipped me and went to my brother and my sister. Like I had to work for everything. I was this little skinny, scrawny kid and – and stuff like that, but um, I think which is what got me through everything. Which is just I just never felt like I can't accomplish anything. I didn't care about my size. I didn't care about nothing. I'm like I'm just gonna outwork you. Um, I'm gonna make sure that I finish first, and just having that work ethic. And I think just by having a you know dad that worked hard to see that he came from nothing to where he's at now, like my dad, when he grew up, he lived in a house where his bedroom was in the kitchen. Like, seriously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just always had that instilled in us as outworking people. We're going to always outwork people, no excuses. You know, you're not going to use our situation as excuses. You're not going to use our finances as an excuses. You're not going to use our race as an excuse. So we grew up with, there's no excuses. So you go out there and you get what you want. And that was my mindset growing up. I'm going to just outwork you. I'm going to get up. I'm going to work hard. And at the end of the day, we're just going to just, whatever God has in store, that's what he has in store. But it wasn't going to be because I didn't work hard. Um, and I feel like that's what got all three of us through college and everything was just our work ethic. And I think it was instilled 
to us in a young age that you're gonna have to work hard in this world and you know some you know people can control a lot of things but they can't control how hard you work and mm. like my dad always even playing basketball like you should never not play hard like you might miss shots you might miss free throws but you should always play hard like that should never not be there effort should always be there so that's the same way we carried it in the classroom too like no excuse we're gonna always outstudy you like we're gonna always you know just Working hard is just something that you should just be able to do. Like, I know people say, is that is that a talent? Because apparently everybody can't do it. So, or they don't want to do it. So I don't know if working hard is a talent. I don't know because it seemed like it should be something that you should do, but apparently everybody can't do it. So maybe it's a talent. I don't know. But um, that's something that I always told myself. I'm going to always, always just try to outwork you. Outwork. <laughs> now, would would you hear these words like, let you know, you got to outwork, or was that something you just kind of picked up by what you saw? It's just something I just... I don't know, I just, I was just different. Like, I'm just, I was a guy. Is that something you just picked up? Yeah, you just know, picked up. I just know that I wasn't blessed with the height. I'm like, I have to outwork you. Like, I just knew that I wasn't the biggest one on the baseball field or on the basketball court. So, for me, it was going to have to be, we we'll have to outwork you and do the little things. If it's the stuff that a lot of people wouldn't do, if it's taking charges or, you know, being the best defensive player on the team. You know, I've always, like, I'm going to do the things that I know that other people don't want to do. Um, but... Mm. It was just something that we just we just all had that that work ethic like we're we're going to outwork you and that's and we see the way we saw how hard our parents worked and it's just something that I think just trickled down and we're all kind of built the same and sometimes you might have a, a sibling that falls off or the, but we were like all together we call ourselves like we're the unit we're we're all together and unit. and it's but our brother to me just he's the one that set the tone for me and my sister just to. First one go to college, and you know he set the tone for us, and you know and stuff like that. So um, we're still holding strong for him. I see, I see, I see. So um, you know, I I like in in your junior high. I feel like you know your 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 junior high through high school. It's you know it's it's a few years, but they're so transformational, mm -hmm. right? Like so much happens uh, within within those years, kind of. It, it almost kind of shapes, starts shaping, you know, who who you are. Other than your brother, what, did you have any other like person you you were inspired by? Like, say, maybe a, a basketball player mm -hmm. or, or or anybody else that um, you know, other than your brother that inspired you? You know, of course, you know, you're gonna have like the the NBA players. If it was Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson, but. To me, it was like my brother. I mean, he was our Michael Jordan because we was able to see him. Mm. Um, even the other day at his Hall of Fame um, induction, I spoke on behalf of my brother. And like I told people back then, we didn't have social media. So it was like Jamal Brown to us was like our, our Michael Jordan. We could see him. We could touch him. We could go watch him. And to, that's all we needed was him, you know. And so, to be honest, like that's that's what I wanted to be. Like I didn't wear number twenty three because of Michael Jordan. I didn't wear thirty two because of Magic Johnson. I wore number thirty in high school because of Jamal Brown. I mean, that's why I wore thirty. It wasn't about nobody else. It was my brother. So it was cool that you know that I was able to see and touch my role model and could talk to him about things. But of course, you know, I did watch those NBA players, but I didn't have to go too far to. You know, they didn't really have that impact on you like oh, it was your brother. my brother. It was, it was him. He was who I wanted to be. 
did did would your brother sit and and talk and like talk to you or or help you guys out and you know like for example like now I I have a brother he's mm. uh, sixteen he's about to be seventeen um and or seventeen okay so one of those sixteen seventeen or seventeen eighteen yeah sixteen seventeen I think and um and so I I try to have conversations with him and I try to you know kind of help him. Um, kind of push himself and and it, I guess in some sort help him give give him some type of direction to help him figure out what it is that he wants to do. Uh, did did your brother you know spend time with with you guys and uh, with you mm-hmm. for example and and you know help you outside of home? See, what's crazy that there's a five year difference. So it's when you're the like we're this is five years. It's like. Of course, our parents raised like, you better take your brother with you. You better take your brother with you. So to me, it was just more of just watching him, you know, just more watching. He didn't have mm-hmm. to say too much. You know, it was more, you know, there's people that could talk a big game, but then you go out there and you watch. It was not the same, but he didn't really have to say too much. I could just watch him. I saw him get up in the morning. I saw him come back drenched from working out. You know, I saw him running the bleachers. I saw him in the weight room, you know. I got a chance to see him because he had to tag me along everywhere he went because that's just what Big Brothers did back then. Um, so, I mean, of course, I got him in a lot of fights because of me. He had to beat up his own friends because I used to pick fights <laughs> with his friends. And I'm going to go tell my big brother, and he had to go beat his own friends up uh, and stuff like that. These are true stories. Like, literally, like, I was picking fights with his friends, and, like, you better not touch me. I'll tell my brother, and then they had touched me, and I go run home, and then my brother had to go beat him up because they touched your little brother. That's the way we, you know, just what it is. But, not nah, but, um... It was just, I didn't have to, he didn't have to say too much. It's just, we watched him. Okay. Um, and, of course, he had talked to us, you know, about things, but it was just more just, he led by example. We didn't, we just saw what he did, and it's like, that was enough for us. And that's probably why I'm a visual learner, because I just was just able to just watch him and just saw it and mm. didn't have to say nothing. It was just, it was easy just seeing what he did and like, man, okay, I see what, I see what hard work gets you and. So it wasn't about him talking, it was about him just doing. That that's a perfect example of like that saying of actions speak louder mm-hmm. than than words. Right, exactly. Um, and so I'm actually very impressed that, you know, at, at a young age you you were able to just pick all of this up and 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 you know, and and model in some sense your brother. Um you you understood that it was hard work you know versus you know sometimes even like nowadays some some people see and and you hear especially maybe back then it wasn't so out there because the internet was wasn't as evolved as it is now um and 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 you still hear it today you know but put hard work put hard work but what a what a blessing to have your role model in in your home Mm -hmm. Um, and so waking up at 3 a.m. was never really an issue for you to, it was just part of it. It's part of it. Just, I wanted to outwork you and I just wanted to do something. Now, that, it was fun. It was fun. I wanted to do something nobody else was doing at three in the morning. So I set my alarm, but I saw my brother do it. So it was just something that just trickled down. You see, you know, my brother does it and he was successful doing it. So I'm going to be just like him. So it was just, you know, it was cool. And like when he went to Ohio State, you know, here I'm, Little Reggie, as they call me, Jamal's little brother, going up to Ohio State, you know, hanging around my brother. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, he's a celebrity up here. Like, he's a Buckeye. This is fun. And I get to hang around the Buckeyes and see what they do and how they work. And I remember, like, seeing my brother 
run the football stadium at Ohio State. The horseshoe, that thing holds over 100,000 people, but he's out there hopping the bleachers up and down the stadium. I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, but I saw it, you know, so he was just, it was just like, you know, he was just one of the, just, he was just big for me and um, growing up. And again, it was just about, I think my dad and our parents, you know, like made sure that you're going to be a great role model to your siblings. You're, you're the oldest. And he never let us down. You know, he was a great, great role model. Didn't get in trouble. Didn't drink. So I never drank. You know, he didn't smoke. I never smoked. I mean, even to this day, I've never had a drink in my life. You know, but it's like, it started because my, my brother never drank, you know, and stuff like that. So I'll just, but, because I would, my brother knew that I would do anything he did. Mm. And he majored in communications. I majored in communications. So I just wanted to be him. So I think he, it made him step his game up because he mm. knew that my little brother was watching me. So I'm not going to do anything that, you know, he won't do because he's going to do, I mean, I'm not going to do anything that's going to get him in trouble because he's going to do what I do. And what's crazy is I think one of my first ever tickets that I received was because we're driving and my brother don't have his seatbelt on. I'm like, I'm not wearing my seatbelt. And we actually <laughs> got pulled over. And But I'm like, because I want to be like my brother. He's not going to wear a seatbelt. I'm not going to wear a seatbelt. You know, so that's just how much I modeled him that whatever he did, I did. And I think that's the only thing that he probably ever did that I'm like, look what you got me into. You got me in trouble because you didn't wear a seatbelt. I didn't wear a seatbelt. <laughs> but besides that, you know, everything was just, he was a great role model for us, me and my sister. So you like to pick up fights? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was. And they tell you, like, my brother was grounded one time, and I picked a fight with one of his friends, and my dad told him to get off a of punishment and go beat him up. So he had to get off a of punishment and go beat one of his friends <laughs> up because they picked with his little brother, I mean, and I had to just start fights so my brother had finished it. So it was <laughs> it was fun. That that's that's hilarious, but I love the 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 bond and like the uh, the just the how how united you guys were. Oh, that yeah, we're he close. was even he was even uh, willing to fight his own friends. Oh, he, you no, said he did. It wasn't willing. He had no, to. Oh yeah. He had to. You pick with your little brother. You it doesn't matter. If somebody messes with your brother. You take up for your little brother. So that's just what it is. Nobody <laughs> picks with your brother. <laughs> So what was what was your your mindset picking up these these fights? What was what was? I, mean, I wish I didn't know any better. I'm like just being that little pest, just trying to start. So I know my brother was a big guy and he could fight. So I'm like I'm just gonna mess with them. So you know, like I bet you won't touch me. I bet if you touch me, my brother beat you up and stuff like that. Just you being had a, a kid. Net. You had just a net. being yes. a kid. I right. mean, just being a kid and and pushing it. If where they have accidentally touched, I'll bump into like, oh, you touched me. I'm about to go tell my brother, <laughs> and they have to go beat him up. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so did uh did 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 you get in trouble with mm. uh, no? Mm. no no no? That's just life back then. Being a, it was just fun. That's life back then. You just have fun, and that's what made your childhood fun back then. Just you know, I tell people it's crazy that when you think about what we do now. Like I have my own gym, of course, and I train kids on agility training, quickness, explosiveness all that kind of good stuff. And I said, what's funny is that we didn't realize everything we did growing up was what we do now to mm -hmm. train. What I mean by that, like, we didn't know that swimming, we were working out. We was in the pool all day not knowing that that was technically a workout. But we didn't know that growing up. We just thought we were just swimming, but didn't realize that's working every muscle in your body. But we didn't know that back then. We didn't know that jumping rope, playing double dutch, was actually working on your quickness. We didn't know playing jacks was working on your hand-eye coordination. You know, we didn't know riding bikes all day was working on your conditioning, your endurance, your calf muscles. 
we didn't know ringing a doorbell and running was working on your first step, your quickness. Like, you think about all the stuff we did as kids. It was When you think about it, it was actually workouts. If you're playing high-and-go-seek, you got to run, quick, move, dodge. That's working on your lateral. You know, stuff that we pay people to do now, we were doing that for free, but we didn't know any better. We just were being kids, not knowing all, all this stuff was actually making us quicker, faster, stronger. And But we didn't know that. We just thought we were just being kids, having fun, and now – we have to pay people to do all this for our kids because kids don't play no more outside. And mm. so they play video games and they're not outside playing. And we didn't know that that was just stuff that was actually you become a great athlete, not even knowing we were doing this stuff to become great athletes. We were just being kids. Mm. But when you think about it, all the games that you played probably worked with some type of motor behavior, some type of quickness, some type of fast twitch muscle, but we had no idea. We're just doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was was there any moment in 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 your childhood where it was an aha moment? Maybe maybe like say say something happened and you like a lesson that you might have learned out of, you know, of say say I mean it sounds like you never you didn't get in trouble much. Nah, because I was the baby. They, I was the baby. No, they, mm-mm. I didn't get in trouble um, at all, I don't think. Um, <laughs> for real, like, I never got in trouble um, and stuff like that. I mean, it was just, no, I didn't. But yeah. um, I think as far as a one story that happened sports-wise that I think my brother and people always talk about was, I think I was maybe in the first or second grade playing baseball and – there was a ball I was playing, I believe I was playing shortstop, and the ball was hit to me. And I got the ball and ran all the way to first base to tag the person. So <laughs> the coach was like, so my dad was like, I think the coach or my dad or somebody was like, why didn't you throw the ball to first base? I said he wasn't going to catch it. And then, you know, so ever since then, they were like, you know, Reggie, he, you know, he's going to be all right. You know, he just sees things differently. I just see things different. But I was like, why am I going to throw the ball to him? He's not going to catch it. So let me just run and get him out myself. <laughs> But that was just always me, just always just. just you had an eye. Just had an eye, and I'm going to just do what I do that I feel is going to get me where I need to go. So I just, just I'm just me. And that's what my brother used to always say, like, Reggie's going to be Reggie's going to do him. Like, you're not going to make him change his mind or anything like that. He's going to do him. And that's just me. So that was probably was a, one of the, I think people, they talk sport-wise, that was kind of one of the things where they were like, you know what? He might be all right in sports because he's going to do what he has to do to get it done. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, your your sister, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, she, it sounds like she was also some sort of a big part big of part. of of your, you know, your the way you grew up and and what you do now. What did you see in in her that you that you were inspired by it's, that she did? It's funny. So I think when I was younger, maybe from up until I would say. After college, I think my brother was my role model up until maybe like I was 23, 24. And it's funny that when I got into my late 20s, my sister became like more of my role model. It's like they just switched places. So then I just saw my sister in a different way. Now, like, man, like, I realized, like, you don't need sports to have the biggest house or the nicest cars. And I'm like, man, my sister's doing goodness. She's not playing basketball. Like, what are you doing and stuff like that? So it's more as I got older, it's like my sister became more of like that person that I looked up to and stuff like that. And then me and my brother, we started both looking up to my sisters. Like we all looked up to my brother growing up. But then as we got older, it's like our sister became like, man, we proud of our sister. Like, man, look at sis doing her thing, man. Like sis doing it, you know, and stuff like that. And 
to just see what she's doing, knowing that where we came from, it's like, it's crazy just to see, you know, that she's one of the most powerful women in the world. And here we are from the east side of Arlington. She went to Sam Houston. She went to John's. We didn't know anybody. It's not like she was given a silver spoon. Like, we didn't know anybody in the business world. So for her to be where she's at now, knowing where we came from, it's just, it's like, I'm proud of her. Like, it's it's crazy to see that, you know, and she's so humble about it. Like, you would never know um, because mm. she just, she's humble and and stuff like that. But it's just cool to know that, like, we all kind of look up at each other. And it's funny, if you talk to my sister, she'll say, Reggie, you're my role model. You know, I see what you do, how hard you work, you know, the way that you do this. Like, man, you you know, you make me want to do better. So it's like we all fit off each other and and stuff like that. So, um, but for me, it was my brother. And then later on, it's like my sister um, is like my role model. And it's like, but we all are like this. We always call it like the unit. And, like, even when my brother passed away, you know, my sister was like, Reggie, we're still a unit. Like, we're still a unit and stuff like that. So it's it's cool to know that we all influence each other. If you talk to my brother, he's like, yo, Reg, man, I'm proud of you, man. Like, you make me want to work harder. You know, I see the way you are with your kids. It makes me want to be better with my kids. Or So we just all feed off each other. There's never been any jealousy between us siblings. And it was never like, oh, well, my brother this or my sister that. Like, we don't get jealous. Like, we're proud of each other. And that's how we always have lived our life and a story that kind of sums up how we are is about two or three years ago we was at our lake house and my sister was talking to me and my brother and sat us down and she said Reggie I'm gonna give you this check to pay for your first year of your gym you know just pay for your rent for the first year and my brother was like man that's what's up bro like man that's what's up like he wasn't like Man, this mean I ain't get nothing, but he's like Reg. Man, he's like sis, man. That's that's what's up, man. Man, that's big, sis. You took mm-hmm. us care of Reggie, and like he was so happy for me. And for like 10, 15 minutes, it was like wow, Tashana, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was that was awesome, and my brother was more happy than me, and mm-hmm. it was like so cool. But then about twenty minutes later, there was a car that pulls up, and it was a Audi SUV for my brother. It is like. Like, wow. Like, and I'm like, Jay, that's what's like. But it's like, we, before he knew he was getting anything, he was happy for me. Not even thinking he was going to get anything in return. But that's just how we are as a family. Like, we don't, we don't get jealous of each other. As one does for one, we're happy for that person that's doing for that one. If my sister took me on vacation, my brother's like happy. If my sister took my brother somewhere, I'm happy for that. So we've never been a jealous family of each other. We always just happy and we support each other. And, and we never had that sibling like, hate. we just always loved each other as siblings, and we never really got into any altercations or nothing, so. Wow, that that's beautiful, because you guys celebrate together we do. everything. 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 <clears throat> How, so, I, I know you're a father now mm-hmm. uh, of two, um, did, did you think about how to cultivate similar, uh, you know, that, that bondage, mm-hmm. um, was, did, so you put thought into that, how, and how how do you how do you basically cultivate your own kids now, or I guess when they were growing up, how yeah. how was how was that for you? Yeah, so I know I'm a, jumping a little no, bit ahead, but I'm, I'm I'm curious. Yeah, so they're my daughters are I believe six years apart, because I felt for me like I had a true big brother, 
you know, you have some people that have a big brother only like six months apart or a year apart. Like, to me, it felt good to have a true big brother. Like I said, if I got into a fight, I could go get my big brother. Like, he's really a big brother, you know. But mm -hmm. so, my, so I kind of had the same mindset. Like, I wanted my daughters, you know, my kids to be like five or six years apart. So, um, so Alexis was the oldest. And to me, I, you know, we made sure that you're going to be a great big sister to your sister. Now, to see them now, they're like best friends. Um, it's, it's, I see a lot of similarity, a similarity between how close they are and how close we were and like they're best friends. They talk, they got each other back. You're not going to mess with Audie because Alexa's is going to take up for her little sister and Audie's going to be protected for her big sister. So they have that tough bond, um, that's unbreakable. Um, and it's cool to know that like Audie has a person to look up to the same way I had two people to look up to, um, like I said, my oldest daughter, she was a track star. You know, she ran at Kennedale, and then she ended up signing a full track scholarship to the University of Florida. And now she transferred to Baylor. She wanted to come back close to home. So it's cool that Audie saw how hard her sister worked, and now Audie's one of a real good soccer player. She's one of the top soccer players, and she's already getting recruited as a freshman. But she saw how hard her sister worked the way I saw how hard my brother worked. So it's a lot of similarities between Alexis and my brother, they both played at Power Five institutions. You know, my brother played at a Power Five school. Alexis ran track at a Power Five school. And then here's Autumn, the young one, looking up to her sister, who I looked up to my brother. And their bond is unbreakable the way me and my brother and my sister bond is unbreakable. So there's a lot of similarities, a lot. How was your 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 experience in, in college? Like, what did you expect? And, and what did you end up experiencing? Or was it about what you expected? You know, when I look back now, sometimes I wish I would have had more fun in college because I was all about basketball and just, but I look back like, man, I just wish I would have maybe went out more and maybe just experienced college life a little bit more and went to maybe more parties and stuff like that just because that's that time you can't get back anymore. You know, once you start having families and kids, that's it. So sometimes I do wish that maybe, you know, I had a little bit more fun in college and not just all about basketball and stuff like that. So I tell my kids, I like, just enjoy college, like enjoy your college experience, go out have fun, stay up late, just be a kid. You know, these are stuff that you think about. Like, this is college, you know. Get up at 4 in the morning. You know, you got an exam the next day. That's just part of being a college student. So I wish that maybe I would have done more like that, just been more of a student, not just an athlete um, and stuff like that. So if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have tried to just have a little bit more fun in college and not be so serious about basketball the whole time. Yeah, it's it's such a, you know, hard, hard edge because it's like uh, – it's like – you know, I, I, it sounds like more at the time you were kind of just following what mm -hmm. you thought, right. what, what, your your soul, really, mm -hmm. you know, your your heart, your your following what your passion. Right. Because um, to this day, basketball is your, your passion. There. And everybody, no matter what school you go to, no matter what level you played on, everybody that's in college thinks they're going to the NBA, just what it is. And no matter who tells you otherwise – you're going to the NBA. So you're thinking that I'm going to be the first out of this school to go to the NBA or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. So and as you get older, you realize, like, man, you probably got a better chance of getting struck by lightning to make it to the NBA. But you don't know that when you're 18 and 22 years old. You're thinking, like, I'm going to the NBA. And so you work, 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 and thinking that this is what's going to be your – going to be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. So – but the good thing about it is, you know, it's by having that thought process, you know, I did gain a degree – a degree out of that and 
which is now I could really sit back and use my degree to take care of me right now. But when you're younger, you're just thinking NBA, and that's why you're working so hard in college and doing everything you're doing because you want to make it to the NBA. And that was my mindset, like every kid's mindset in college. I'm going to the NBA. I wonder what your experience is now with working with, you know, kids, and I'm sure you have to do a lot with their parents Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Do you do you see do do you see like some students or or you know more focused versus others? Do do you see that? Yeah, I mean it's now where one of the reasons why I did open up you know start training kids because I did want to help again the the youth out because I feel like a lot of these kids are being misguided. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not being talked to um, real. You know, some of these parents are giving these high expectations for these kids, but I'm a person that I want to be real and honest. I'm going to use all my experiences, you know, my connections, and I'm going to be real with you. And But I feel like being real is what's going to get these kids to where they need to go. And that's what's wrong with a lot of these parents these days. They're not real with their own kids. And when things don't go right, they blame everybody but their kid. So one of the reasons why I wanted to start training kids and being more involved in young kids' lives is so I could use my experiences, my examples, you know, my, you know, mistakes and make sure that you guys can learn from it. And I try to just tell parents, like, just give me the green light with your kid, um, but I want to be real with you. Um, There's one dad came to me one day and said, hey, um, I heard you're a good trainer. I want my son to play in the NBA. He's a seventh grader. He's five foot eleven, weighs two thirty, blah blah blah. And was I'm like, okay, I'll check him out. So he brought him to my gym that I call the bubble. And I said, mm-mm. I said, he needs to worry about making a seventh grade B team. You're worried about him going to the NBA. He's not even good enough to make the seventh grade B team. That's just me being honest and real. Like I'm not gonna sugarcoat nothing. And like you having the wrong right now, your expectation for your kid is is not is not right right now. Like you have to be real with your kid. He's not there yet. We're, no. Let's worry about him making a seventh grade team first. And but it was cool that the parents, I think, respect me. And to make a long story short, this kid lost 60 pounds. He's really, really good now. But um it's just being real. And, you know, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like my goal is to every kid that I train is try to help you get into college. I don't care what level, if it's division one, division two. But I'm going to be honest and real, and I think that's what's wrong. We don't have people in this profession that's going to be real and honest because everybody is about the money. You know, I could train your kid up. I could do this. I could do that. Well, with me, I don't care about the money. Um, I tell people when I start opening up my gym, I told the parents, y'all pick the price. Y'all dictate my price. When I open up my own gym, I'm like, I don't care, you know, and stuff like that. So the parents dictated my price. I'd rather keep my prices really, really cheap. So I could see that kid three to four times a week, then charge all this money where I'm only to see that kid once a week. Because if I'm really in it for the kid, I need to see the kid more than once a week if I really want to see this kid grow. So I just want to be one of these people that, and I tell parents all the time, whatever you do, I don't want to know that your kid missed my workout because you didn't have 20 bucks. Like, please don't miss my workout for $20. Like, it ain't that serious. Um, we could figure out something. I go, I have a water hose out there. This kid could wash my car. Like, there's no excuse. But please, if I find out that a kid missed my workout 
because you don't have 20 bucks and I'm mad at you as a parent because it's not that serious, mm. you know, and stuff like that. So uh, to me, it just, you know, I just feel like this generation needs people that are just real, that are genuine, that's not going to lie to you, that's not going to sell you a false hope. I'm going to be real with you now. I'm not going to also kill the kid dream. This is me talking to the parent. But at the end of the day, dude, it's it's hard. Like, I try to tell these kids, like, man, there's so many people working. There's kids in New York, Chicago, that this is their livelihood. They don't, this is how they're going to get out of the hood. You guys have a house mm -hmm. over your head, so you might not have that same drive as a kid up north. So it's my job as you're coaching your trainer to try to give you that drive internally that maybe you don't, you don't know what it's like going without a meal. You don't know what it's like not having a roof over your head because your parents are doing good right now, but... So I try to, I have to try to trick them a little bit to try to get them to have that different mindset, that tough mindset that, man, it's tough. But also, I also talk to them about other things that are important, not just basketball. Like we could talk about, look at my sister. She's not a basketball player, but look what she's doing now. You know, look at me. I didn't play professional basketball, but I went pro in youth. I went pro in training. I went pro in as a dad. So there's other ways you could go pro, not just in sports. So I just try to just be real with these kids and be straightforward with them and try to be honest with these parents. And I tell the parents all the time, like, if you're going to talk at my practice, leave. Because these, I want to hear one voice. Like, you're paying me to help your kid become better. So if you don't trust me, then you train your own kid. But I will kick a parent out of my practices if they start talking to their kid. Like, no, this is my time. You know, but, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's just I just try to just, you know, be real, use my experiences, my stories. And like I said, if I could change one kid, then I've done my job. But hopefully I'm going to change more than that. But um, I feel like my story is definitely changing these kids' lives. And to know that I've never marketed my training one time, never put a flower out, never did nothing, and to know that, like, I'm at a good place because it was word of mouth, and people believed in me that I didn't have to market myself. I let everybody, I let my work do the talking and and the stories are doing the talking for me. And like, I'm just glad that I could just make an impact in these kids' lives right now. That's the best kind of marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's your service to to these kids. So I'm, I'm curious about that story with that, that one child that mm -hmm. their parents thought yeah. he was going to make it to the NBA. And you're sitting here like, hey, right. <laughs> you know, it'll be you know, it'll be like if he makes it to the B team. Right, at the time, yes. At the time, right, right. So how was that journey? So that was a conversation with the, the parents. What was your conversation with the kid like? Oh, me and him had a, we were like going at it. Like he was a, he was the only child and the dad, you know, when you're an only child, like sometimes as a parent, you don't know, like this is your first child. Like I done raise a daughter that's playing, that's running track at a high level. So I'm like, I've kind of been there, but you just have to just trust me. Um, but me and that kid, oh, we we had some battles and it was just but the parents trust me with their kid that they gave me the green light with their kid, like Reggie, do what you gotta do. Mm -hmm. And at that point, once a parent trusts me with their kid, then I could now treat this kid like my little brother now. Like, okay, well, it's gonna be some tough love. You're not gonna like me, and that's okay. I don't want you to like me if it's gonna make you successful. I don't care. Like, you're not gonna like me. Um, I remember my daughter, I'm gonna go back to my daughter real quick and then get back to this story. My daughter was 12 and said dad i want to run track at university of florida she told me at 12 years old she says i want to run track at florida florida is one of the top track programs in the country 
I said, okay, Alexis, if you want to run track at Florida, you're not going to like me. I'm just going to tell you this right now because if this is where you want to go, dad could get you there, but you're not going to like me. So that Christmas, I bought her a comforter set for Florida because I want her to sleep on her dream every day. You want to sleep on this Florida dream every day, this Florida comforter. So when you go, when you lay down, you're sleeping on your dream every day, that pillow. So I got her a Florida Gator comforter set. I got her Florida Gator gear, Florida Gator socks, shorts. It was all a Florida Gator Christmas. That's all she got that Christmas was Florida Gator stuff. And, but I said, you're not going to like me. You're not going to like me, Alexis. I'm just telling you this right now because dad could get you there, but you're not going to like me. Then you fast forward to five years after that conversation, the University of Florida is at our house on a home visit. I'm like, wow, like, this is crazy. Like, when that coach was there, I'm like, like, this is crazy. Like, he's actually at our house right now, the University of Florida. Like, we spoke this to existence. We put all this work in. And I remember telling that coach at Florida, I said, coach, no matter if my daughter signs here or not, I go, you're the reason that she's having all these colleges come to our home right now because you set the bar for my daughter, University of Florida did. And when we went on our official visit to Florida and they put on their little uniforms and all that, and she came out there in that track uniform on, I'm like, this is not the stuff that I bought. This is the real stuff. Like, this is crazy. Like, she is actually in a Florida Gator track uniform. And this is what she said she wanted when she was 12. But we had our battles. Like, me and her had our battles. And she'll tell you now, like, Dad, thank you. Like, thank you for being hard on me because because of you, I could, I'm able to experience my dream of being a Gator. Um, so now we go to B. His name is B. Britton B. Wait, 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 wait. Before, before oh, we go uh, there, before we go there, okay. So, so um, did you? I, I, you know, you you put it kind of upfront with your daughter mm-hmm. that hey, you're not gonna like me. I don't like did, me. Did 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 was there a point where she didn't like oh, you? Oh yeah, we oh we went at it like yeah. There was moments because. <laughs> I have to be hard. You have to do this extra one. You have to do this. You have to get up early. Like, this is what we have to do. If you want to be a Gator, this is what we have to do. Like, now, if you don't want to go to Florida, I'm fine. I'm cool. If it was up to me, I would want both of my kids to play basketball. So let you know that I'm not one of these dads that force my kids to do anything because I would love my kids to play basketball if it was just up to me. But I allow them to choose your sport. And once you choose it, you know, I'm going to help you get where you need to go. But I said, Alexis, you're not going to like me. So, yeah, we had our battles. She was tough, but I hated that because there was moments I tried to make her cry. She wouldn't cry. I'm like, if you cry, I'll be done yelling at you, but cry. I want you to cry so I could be done yelling, but she wouldn't break. But uh, we have battles and battles and battles. And So what was that training like for, for her uh, that, that you provided her? What, what did that look like? So say, for example, we have, uh, say, say somebody is watching now that that track is their thing, uh, but maybe they don't have that supportive figure. Mm-hmm to help them get there um, just, you know, overall, like what, what, what were some of the key things you did with your daughter to get her to, to, to get Florida state in your living room? I mean, first and foremost, of course, you know, her faith in God is number one, you know, you got to put God first. That's number one in our life. You know, you got to put God first. But um, at that point, I'm not going to say a lot. I think, you know, my genetics helped a lot too, you know, my genes, but uh, <laughs> I'm just being funny, but uh, <laughs> I think she has some good genetics, but um. No, it's just, like, my thing is the mental part of it. It's the mental. If you get the the mental right, then I think we're good. Um, So, again, so Alexis took some of the stuff that I did as a kid, and now she was like, Dad, it's raining outside. Ain't nobody working right now. Let's go run. Same thing I did when I was a kid. Mm. You know, like, let's go work out, Dad. Ain't nobody working out right now. It's snowing outside in Texas. Dad, you know nobody working out in the snow in Texas. Let's go. We'll be at the track by ourselves in the snow because nobody else was out here. But that was 
her mindset now that she carried on what I did as a kid. And now she took on that. But, you know, of course you got to, you know, have that village, you know, make sure I find the right trainers, the right coaches. I wasn't a track runner, so I had to rely on my networking, my people that I know to take her to that next level because there's only so much I could do. So to me, it's all about finding the right people and don't be afraid to let somebody else coach your kid. Like, it's okay. And also as a parent, I tell people, I'm the CEO of my kid. Like, I'm the CEO. So there's some time you're going to get trainers and coaches that they want all the credit. They don't want you to take your kid nowhere else. Like, you know, you need to go to me and that's it. Well, no, no. If I feel like three people would get my kid where she needs to go, I'm going to take my kid to three people. That's just me. Um, because everybody might bring something different to the table. Now, if I feel like having three people in my kid's life is confusing her because she's like, well, dad, this person's telling me this and this person's telling me that. I don't know which one to use because I'm confused then. That's why I have to say, okay, well, that's on me. But if I feel like three people are in my kid's life and that's coaching my daughter and I see her benefiting from all three, why am I going to just take one? No, use all three, man. Mm. But a lot of times we're in that world where they don't like that. One person wants to coach your kid because they want the credit um, and stuff like that. But I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to do what's best for my kids. So to me, as a parent, you have to – own it. Like, don't let somebody talk you to say this is the way it should be done. If you don't like it, then, well, I will move on. But you also have to realize if it's working. If mm. one coach is working, that's fine. If three coaches is working, that's fine. So um, even right now, I'm not the only one that trains with my kids, but that's okay. I only worry about what I do with your kid when he's with me. Whatever he does outside of me, that's your business. I don't, that's none of my business. But I could sit here now if the kid is confused because he's using two coaches telling two different things. And now the kid is confused. That's what the parent has to decide, okay, which one you want to stick with. But mm. to me, it's about just making sure you have the right people around your kid, that you have the right um, village around your kid and make sure as a parent you're doing your research. And, you know, and I just, to me, I always just always want to challenge my kid mental. Mm. Not really worry about their physical. I want to challenge their mental. I feel like if they could just get their mental right, then we're going to be all right. When you were looking for... Uh, coaches or mentors for your for your daughter or daughters what were some of the things you were looking for in a coach people that's been there people that ran on a high level people that you know was successful in track and field so <clears throat> one of her coaches Daisha she went to Sam Houston she was to me a track stud and I remember Daisha when I was in high school like man Daisha was fast so Daisha was a female that ran track she started coaching so, of course, when it was time for me to seek out somebody that I wanted my daughter to run with, I called Daisha up. And she was a female. She ran at Texas State. But um, I knew she was somebody that would understand the female body, mm. you know, to understand what maybe stuff that I can relate to. I don't know what it's like to run on your cycle. Like, I don't know if that's an excuse or not. So let me get you a female that can say, Lexus. When I was on my cycle, like, oh, I knew how to run. This is what I did. So I wanted a female to talk to my daughter, something I can't relate to, a female's body, what they go through. I don't know what that's like. So I sought out, you know, Daisha at that time. Later on, um, one of my sister friends, Lamont, he was an Olympian. He was best friends with Carl Lewis. He was an Olympian. So why not put him in my daughter's life? Because he was an Olympic track runner. He was a gold medalist. So he was also in my daughter's circle. So I just tried to get people around her that ran on the highest level, that could make phone calls, that knew track. Because I don't know track and field. 
So, but I wasn't afraid to say, I don't know track and field. And let me find people that I feel that let me use my connections and get these people in my daughter's village. So that's what mm-hmm. I did. Wow. Uh, how, how, when, when did, when did you like realize like, Hey, like, like, or was, I mean, I'm curious to know how that mindset was kind of developed for you to learn to utilize you know, your, 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 the tools Mm -hmm. around you and be humble enough to say, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I I can be a star in basketball, but I don't know like track, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because it takes, it takes, I feel like it takes a level of of humbleness to, to say that um, and, and, and seek out for these tools because, you know, even, even as, uh, I, you know, I, it's actually one of the similarities I've found with like, like some of the great coaches. Um, and now I include you in that list, uh, like not just great, but like just elite. Right. And it's like, they, they learn to utilize their, their resources. And this can even, uh, even translate over to business, right? Like if you want a successful career, then, you know, you look for, um, someone to model to learn from right so was how, how did you learn that or when did you pick that up if if you can remember it could be just you you know I don't know do you, do you know you know what I mean not really no, <laughs> no. okay mm-hmm. wow that mm-hmm. that so, so you just learned to you you just knew that you had to utilize yeah, I mean, your resources yeah I mean that's one of the things where my mom is always tell us there's no such thing as a dumb question, you know? So to me, like, mm. don't be afraid to ask, you mm. know, like if you have a question, ask, if you need help, ask. So we always grew up where there's nothing wrong with asking for help. So, okay. um, I knew that again, I wasn't going to force my kids to do something like play basketball because dad played basketball. Your uncle played basketball. Your, your sister, your aunt played basketball. Like if you like, of course, you know, every kid usually start out in soccer and, I'm like, okay, she's kind of fast too. You know, she's running, she looks fast with these boys, but it was just something that I knew that I think about being a coach, you know, that you're not a, you know, you you always tell your kids, if you need help, I'm here for you. You know, if you want to get help on your jump shot, I'm here for you. So same with my kids. If if they need help, let's go find somebody that can help you. And and I just use my resources by being a coach. I knew the track coaches at college. I knew the high school track coaches. So I was just able to use my to make you. I always tell people that in life you want to have options. So my thing is like, you know, I work hard so I can have options in life. So I could use my options, my networking. You just never know what you could use them. Mm-hmm. So I was cool that I could use it for my kids. And and I tell people, even the kids I train, I go, I, have a, I know a lot of college basketball coaches. I said a lot. I said, I'm hoping that you guys will listen to me and believe in me. Because I want to use my hookups for y'all. Like if, if I if you never see a college coach at one of your basketball games, that means I just you, you didn't do what I told you to do. Because I want to use my connections. What's the point of having all these connections? You can't use it. So same with mm. all these track people I knew. Like I'm glad that I was able to use my connections, but I'm also glad that my kids are coachable. Mm. Because I wouldn't. I don't know if I had some. If I felt like my kids were bad and they wasn't coachable, I'm not going to use my connections on my kids. Because what if I needed to use it for somebody else that was coachable? Oh man, I remember the last time Reggie brought me a kid. Man, he wasn't coachable. His kids wasn't like. Uh-uh. So, um, to me, it was just not afraid and being brought up like, don't be afraid to ask for help. And Reggie, you're not going to know everything. And I don't know track and like my youngest one plays soccer. 
I don't know anything about soccer. So I have to use my connections to get her soccer training because I don't know anything about soccer. Mm -hmm. So it's the same. Just don't be afraid to ask for help and just make sure you um, do the research on the people that you're going to involve in your kid's life and and uh, and stuff like that because these are going to be the people that's probably going to be around your kid more than you now. So, yeah. Beautiful. I, I love that. I, I, I really do. Um, and I'm glad you said that uh, because that's definitely going to be a clip out there because it's it's it sounds so simplistic. But, you know, it, at the same time, you, you wonder, you know, why a lot of us maybe don't sometimes don't use those resources that are available, whatever it is that's available. And a lot of it's everything's available, really. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, you know, like I said, doing the research and putting these people um, that that have been through it to help the next kid, you know, reach their potential. Mm -hmm. um, so now tell me a little bit about this other uh, kid and uh, that, that you yeah. helped train um, 60 pounds. Yeah, B, and it's crazy. I have his before and after picture. Like, I'll, I just show people it's crazy when you see him. But um. He was a kid, like I said, dad brought him to me. And the good thing about B's situation was he came during COVID, um, which it was crazy because I actually opened up my gym during COVID, which was probably in everybody's mind was dumb, but it was the perfect time for me um, because nobody was going. You couldn't get into no gyms. You couldn't get into – everything was just bad. Mm -hmm. But I had this gym, and I opened up during COVID, and, and B was one of my first kids. And so I was, I was able to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one with B. And, like, man, me and him, like, just, we, it was bad. Like, I'm talking about, like, he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that. And I'm just staying on him, staying on him, staying on him where, you know, he's, it was bad. But, we, you know, we got through it. We had our, our IB, and he's getting mad. He's, like, get it out. I don't care. Get it out. But, you know, you ain't going to quit, you know, and stuff like that. But the key was his parents gave me the green light, and his parents believed in me. So they trusted me with their kid, and at this point, I fast forward, here's a guy that couldn't make one down and back in a gym or couldn't do one push-up or couldn't make it through a workout, needed 20 million water breaks. Now, B is one of my best workers, hardest workers, lost over 60 pounds, looks lean, could, couldn't dribble like one of my best ball handlers, couldn't shoot one of my best shooters. And it's just crazy to see, like, how far he's – come from when I first got him but it was also that tough love and me having to be honest with his dad and his parents like hold on uh -uh. let's not let's not let, let, let's slow down a little bit let's let's just let's let's make let's let B be the best seventh grader he could be but let's not worry about this NBA stuff right now and stuff like that but it's, it's a hard conversation to have because some parents might be like well if you don't believe in my it's not about believing in your kid I believe in every kid but it's about being real with your kid and I'm not going to sell your kid on a false hope. And I'm saying he can't play in the NBA, but let's hold up right now, you know, and stuff like that. Let's just make him the best seventh grade he could be right now. Then let's make him the best eighth grade he could be. Then we'll work our way up. But let's just let's just take this, you know, step by step right now. But it's so good to see B, because it's a testimony that, you know, man, if you could just, if you believe in a kid and, and a parent trusts this person and the kid trusts you and it could all come full circle. And he's like a true, he's one of my, favorite stories to talk about because I've, I've seen with my own eyes like wow like this kid is not the same kid no more it's crazy mm. mm -hmm. when do you think the breakthrough moment was so you know I'm sure at the beginning you know it was I think you mentioned it was it was it was tough you know mm -hmm. uh I'm sure he didn't like you 
at first? Does he like you now? Oh, he loves me now. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to miss a workout now. But it's funny because when you're training kids, you don't really know when that breakout moment. Because mm -hmm. it's just, it's kind of like when you have your own kids, to you, your kids, like, they don't look like they've grown to you because you see them every day. It's like, but then somebody says, man, your kid got tall. Like, or you can see somebody else's kid that's the same age as your kid. Like, man, you're tall, but... Which, when you see it every day, you don't really know that your kid is getting taller. Like, you just don't, you don't see some of these things as a parent. So, like, I don't know when it just clicked with B. Like, I go back. I'm like, when did it click? Like, when did you start helping the ball as well? When did you start shooting the ball? Like, I don't know when it just happened because you just, you just keep going and going. Then you look back and, like, you look back at old videos, you're like, man, like, wow. So, it, I don't know when it happened, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, okay, that's, uh, that's that's really interesting um, to hear because you know it's like you know um, you're 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 training this child, but you know sounds also like you're not just training them in in, in these physical conditions. Do you have? It sounds like you also work with you know you mentioned the importance of like the mindset. Mm -hmm. Do you sit down and have conversations that are not maybe related to the work to working out? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we talk. Have, yeah, yeah, I have those talks with them all the time, and even like, like my facility, like it's, we call it the bubble. It's, it's. I don't have air condition like these million dollar facilities, so it is hot in there or it's cold in there. But to me, it's that's mental toughness. Mm. Um, I don't want them to be in the greatest conditions. I want you to, you know, deal with a little bit of heat. I want you to sweat. I want you to go through some adverse. Everything's not going to be perfect. The floors are not going to always be sticky. Like you have to deal with stuff like that. So it's also just you know putting them in those mm -hmm. situations. And like I tell them when we're training in my gym, like, yeah, we train like Rocky. Like we, we not, you know, like Rocky Balboa, you know, he trained and whatever. Like we don't have all this state of the art facility, but we gonna, but we could get it done right here. So, um, but also I do, you know, parents were like, Reggie, can you talk to, you know, B or the good thing about me also, like I could also pick up the phone and call the coach at Baylor, call the coach at Texas. Cause I have connections and I can sit there and say, look, would y'all recruit a kid that can't finish this? And they're like, no, nah, Reggie, I wouldn't do this. Or, if I said, Coach, if I call you right now and told you that I got a kid that could play, what would you do? They said, Reggie, I'll be up there tomorrow. So it's good for these kids to know that I know people on the mm -hmm. level that they're trying to get at. So mm -hmm. they're going to probably believe me a little bit because they know I know people and I got connections. I know parents of kids that are in the NBA where I could call that parent up and say, hey, can you put your son on the phone real quick? That plays, you know, that's our NBA players. And they can talk to these kids, but they know that I know people, you know, and they see that. And, um, so I think they kind of believe me a little bit more because they know I could put you on the phone. I could go Facebook Live and have college coaches watching you work out right now in my gym. And they can see you right now. Like, I could say, hey, man, go to my Facebook Live and what you think about this kid. So that's good that when you have those built-in relationships where you could now use them to help motivate these kids. And um, so it's, it's, it's cool. But, yeah, I do have those talks with them about the mental toughness, about, you know, respecting, about – you know, going hard about being thankful, you know, like I see a lot of kids where they feel sorry for themselves. And I'm like, hold up, hold up. I go, let's go visit Church Cook Children's Hospital. I go, those kids, they're having a tough life. I'm like, you think your life is tough? I said, you're mad because you can't finish a down and back. I said, these kids are love to run. You can't, they can't even run right now. I said, when you're feeling sorry for yourself, like really? You know, you're telling me that you're tired. I said, these kids would love to be tired. I said, but they don't know what it's like to be able to run, to be able to go run up and down. I said, so you guys are taking all this for granted. Like, go visit Cook's children, and you will see 
kids that are fighting. I said, you think you're fighting? No, these kids are fighting for their lives. So don't tell me that this is hard. This is, mm-hmm. this is not hard. This is fun. You know, like I never looked at running a kid for punishment. So I hate when a parent tries to – I could be in the middle of a training and a parent – a kid might miss a layup and a parent might say, hold up, tell the kid to do push-ups. I say, first of all, don't talk to your kid during my training. And number two, why are you making your kid do a push-up? The parent were like, because he missed a layup. I said, but doesn't a push-up make you stronger? So ain't that a reward? You know, how is a push-up a punishment when it makes you stronger? Mm. How is running punishment when it makes you stronger? See, I've never looked at running as a punishment. You know, a lot of coaches, when you have a bad practice, get on a, get on a, just run. No, I thought running makes you stronger. Don't people run to get stronger? Don't people run to be in condition? To me, the way you punish a kid is by telling them to sit down because now they can't get better. But you're going to punish your kid. Don't make them do push-ups. That's a reward. Like, that gets you stronger. So I never looked at running push as a punishment. I never did that. So when you could train your mind to look at when a coach tries to run you, I'm like, Coach, can we run some more? Because isn't this getting me stronger, Coach? Like, how are you punishing me when you're making me run? Running, my daughter runs track. You realize that's how they get better? You, you yeah, realize yeah, yeah. that's for track runners, that's their workout is what everybody else. So I never looked at – I hate when a parent try to tell their kid to do push-ups. I, I don't like that because that's that's a reward. Mm-hmm. I was getting stronger a punishment. I was running a punishment. Never understood that. It's the perspective, yes. right? It's the perspective, you know, and it's it's interesting. I never really thought about it that way because even like me playing sports, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if, if, you know, if, if, if somebody shows up late, like the entire yeah. team is is doing, right. you know, uh, bleachers, right? You know, the, t- the entire team is just going to run for the entire mm-hmm. class versus, you know, uh, practicing, you know, basketball for the drills, right? So yes, even in school, yeah. um, the, the you're punished by working out. Mm-hmm. So I, you, I never I thought never, about it like that. I never looked at running as a punishment. So when I was coaching, if we had a real good practice, we ran. If we had a bad practice, we didn't run because running is a reward. So how is that a punishment? Mm. So if we had a real good practice, all right, let's go, let's go. We're going to run now. So I had them like, all right, coach, because we, we're trying to get better. So – I'm not going to run. I'm going to run you after real good practice because that's a reward. Running you is a reward. Like, if I'm going to punish you, go to the locker room, get out of here because you can't get better now. To me, that's a punishment because now you can't get better. So while we're not getting better, Martin Warriors over there practicing right now. Arlington Highs over there practicing right now. So, no, if I'm going to really punish you, put the ball up, go home. That's a punishment mm-hmm. to me. Now, some kids are like, yes, I ain't got to run. Well, if you have that mindset, I don't want you anyway. So mm-hmm. that wasn't me. I never, ever looked at – I hate when parents – I see parents tell their kids to do push-ups after a layup or tell them to run. Like, dude, you just got your kids stronger. That's not a punishment. So, no, that's not – no, you can't look at running as a punishment, you know. And, again, I go back to Cook's children. Those mm-hmm. kids are a little bit of run. Right. So how is that a punishment when kids want it when a kid can't run? So, right. no, it's not a punishment. Or it's even, a reward. you know, just people with disabilities. disabilities. It's a reward. So I've never looked at – running and doing extra as a punishment. I'm like, if I gave you extra money, isn't that a reward? So if I'm telling you to run extra, isn't that a reward? So how's that a punishment? So to me, extra is never a punishment to me. Running is never a punishment. That's a reward because you're getting people. What did you do when you're trying to get in shape? You go run. Right. So why is that a punishment now? 
Why do you use that as a punishment? When people at our age, we got to run. We want to stay in shape. Your husband's doing CrossFit. He does all these things that coaches do for punishment. We're doing this to live a longer life. So how is running a punishment? I would never, ever look at running as a punishment. I was that type of person in college when a coach said, we're going to run four transitions. I'm like, coach, why don't you make it five? Let's run six. Now, my teammates were pissed at me, but <laughs> I'm like, coach, is this, this all you got? Like, this is it? <laughs> I'm like, okay. That was just my mindset. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that you you, you know it, it, I it's it's so crazy because uh, I feel like you know growing up when you have you know people using certain things as punishment just unconsciously you just adopt that as mm-hmm. uh, I shouldn't I, I that's a bad like I'm not gonna do that oh and if you do do it for whatever reason maybe you are trying to lose weight now it's like the biggest struggle is is. Sometimes it's it's getting on the treadmill because you see it, mm-hmm. you you the perspective you have for you know whatever it is that you're doing to to be better to live a better life to be healthy is you're looking at it as almost like an enemy mm-hmm. like oh I'm just I, this is just what I have to do right like instead of on the flip side seeing it as hey this is fun like this is only making me better is it? right and um so that that is. That is so powerful. I've never heard it from anybody mm-hmm. else. And that's a problem. <laughs> that's why I look at it. And my kids know that too. You know, they don't. I will give my kids three seconds to answer me. If I said, hey, Lex, you want to go work out? And she goes, um, nope, we're not working out. Took too long to answer. Like, no, if, if, if somebody could give you a million dollars, you're not going to go, um, if it's legal. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're going to be like, yes. I said, so you have to treat this like it's it's serious. But I'm not going to make, you know what? But but so they were like, that is work out. But we don't look at stuff like that as punishment. We never look at – I could tell Autumn after a soccer practice. These parents didn't believe me, so they had a real hard soccer practice one time when she was like maybe eight years old. And I said, I could tell my daughter right now, hey, we're going to get in the car, we're going to go run some bleachers. And she's going to say, okay. They said, no, she won't. I said, yes, she will. So I said, Autumn, let's get your stuff. We got to go run some bleachers, okay? She goes, yes, sir. But that's just their mindset. They know that that's not a punishment. Because we're trying to separate ourselves. If everybody did the exact same thing, how are we going to get better? we got to separate ourselves. So, you know what? We might go run bleachers after practice, but I don't get that as a punishment. And my kids, because that's that's good for your health conditioning. It helps your heart rate. Like, how's that punishment? So, so I'm, not, I'm not crazy now. With, I'm not one of these, you know, but I just never looked at. So I had my kids trained. I'm not saying trained, but if a coach tells you to run, smile. Because it's not a punishment. So you couldn't break them. It goes back mm-hmm. to the mental part. So you're not going to, so we don't, we looked at running as a reward because it makes you better. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, you know, I, I, I love the fact that it's, it's, it's the mindset that just kind of everything else is really just kind of like a trickle down mm-hmm. and, and it's that mental toughness. And it's not just like in, in the, you know, say in that particular moment or or sport it just trickles down to everything else in life um because if when when life does come and you know and and not every, like we all of us have those days where they're not you know maybe emotionally you know we're not there and it's it's these these principles the mindset that helps you get up quicker mm-hmm. versus and you know looking at okay that looking at things in a positive way and which enables you to kind of get up on your feet faster mm-hmm. and you know get get going with your life 
versus staying in that hole um, that sometimes, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's hard to get out of sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then they, they, they look for, you know, other ways to suppress those emotions that may not be the healthiest, mm -hmm. uh, maybe quite the opposite might be more hurtful. And, and then that's just kind of like a scary path to go that, mm -hmm. that could go through, right. Versus, Hey, uh, you kind of have that, that mindset where, you know, you, it's 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 a warrior type mindset. Got to. It's how you. It's, it's how you view things. That's a good thing about life, man. You could. You could look at life the way you want to look at life. Like, like we talk about the glasses, half full, half empty. It's how you look at things, and mm. and your mind is powerful. It's a powerful weapon, dude. It's it's, you know, you could. I'm not saying trick it, but that's just to me the truth. I mean, it's not like, again. Your husband works out because he wants to get in shape. That's why he runs. He does CrossFit because he, he wants to be in shape. So I just never looked at running as a punishment. I would never look at it. So when I train my kids, if even right now training, if they're having a bad day, you know what? Get your stuff, leave. Uh, we're done. Shut it down. We're done. I'm not going to run you. Just I tell the parents, they're not coming to work today. Just go. Bye. That's it. Like, just leave because you can't <laughs> get better. That's a punishment to me. You can't get better. Right. And they get mad. They don't want to leave. Like, no, no, leave. Nope, that's it. What a lesson. Get out of here. Like, because I don't want you to get better. No, this is the punishment because I don't want you to get better today because you're not trying to get better. So the only way I could really punish you is say to leave. If I run you, you're having a workout. No, that's a workout now. That's getting better. People pay to, people pay people to run and condition. No, yes, no, leave. And parents are like, get your kid go. And they'd be like, no, get your kid go. He didn't come to work, so y'all need to get in the car and leave. And I'll see y'all next time. But <laughs> I'm not going to run you. Do you get any, any pushback from no. parents? No. Mm -hmm. I think because they respect me, they respect, you know. They understand. They understand. They know I'm coming from a good place. And when they see it my way, they're like, mm. oh, okay. But that's the way I see it. And when you're with me now, if you want to coach your own team, if you want to run your kids for punishment, that's on you. But for me, don't tell your kid to do push-ups in my gym after he misses a layup because that's got him stronger. No, he just got stronger. We're trying to punish him, aren't we? Why are we going to tell him to do push-ups? He just got stronger doing five push-ups. No, no, that's not a punishment to me. Tell your, If anything, I will sit your kid down while everybody else is working out. That's a punishment. Um, the only time that I used running as a punishment, the only time, if when we was coaching college, if a kid missed class, the kid that missed class didn't run. The team ran for him. Mm -hmm. He sat there. We gave him a bunch of water. We gave him a water bottle. We gave him a nice little chair. We said, no, nah, you sit down and you just chill. <laughs> like, no, nah, you don't want to go to class. They're going to run for you. Don't worry about it. Because it's we're punishing that kid, and he hated it. Because now he's seeing his teammates technically have to run for him, even mm. though we know it's a reward. But still, nobody wants to run for somebody else like that. So, But the kid that got in trouble, he didn't run. He mm. sat there drunk. We said, no, nah, no, nah, sit back. Why well, it's hot outside, you drank that water. And we said, until you finish that, got on the water, they're going to keep running until you finish. But keep drinking, have fun. We gave him an umbrella. We oh, said, just what? sit back. <laughs> and this is a true story. Like we, But that kid never missed class again. Wow. Because now he knows that it affects everybody mm. if he misses class. This is a team sport. So now we're, if you really care about your teammates, you're going to go to class now because you see what's going to happen if you don't go to class. Mm. So we never had kids miss class because they knew that if they miss class, that the other teammates have to run for them, which it's another person's not running. So technically, it, we're not punishing that kid. We're like, but he just, we said, no, just sit, mm. just sit. 
Because that's, that's powerful. Yeah, that was, and that's what we did. But that's the only time I would ever use running as a punishment is when I'm trying to prove a point to that kid mm-hmm. that misses. Mm-hmm. That, okay, you think it's fun to miss class? Okay, you sit down, they're going to run for you now. Mm-hmm. And but that's the only time I ever use it. But still, technically, it was rewarding those other kids because they did get stronger and better. But that kid over there, he understood the point, what we were trying to get. So, And it worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a wide opener because you guys aren't doing what maybe they expect, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's like it's mind-blowing. They never probably expected to be sitting there comfortable with Mm -hmm. a bottle of water and umbrella. Yeah, relax. You know. No, no, relax. So (laughs) what's crazy was that same kid, this is no lie, that same kid, that same day um, we had open gym, um, and he went, I guess he went to like Kroger or something and bought a bunch of Gatorade for his teammates. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, he was sorry mm-hmm. for them because the teammates were like, look, man, hey, they want to fight now. And this is college. Like, dude, you didn't take it but the class because I'm, I'm not going to run for you no more. You know, it's, but it was a teaching point. It wasn't, a, it was a teaching point. So, mm-hmm. but again, that's what we did. We, we, the kid that missed class, you just sit. You ain't got to run. But if you're really, and if you really care about your teammates, if you really care about them, you're going to like, man, I don't want to go to class today, but. Man, what up to say the day that the coaches check my class? And if I'm not in there, man, my team is going to run for me. So we use it at that point because this is a team sport. Yeah. So, hey, you better go or your team's going to suffer. So it makes kids now, it's not about you no more. Mm-hmm. It's about the team. Mm-hmm. So you'll go if you care about your team. Definitely. Def- I, I do. That is one of the things that I do love about sports or mm-hmm. team sports because um, I feel like even for me, it, uh, I feel like uh, a lot of the, a lot of times, the reason why I tried to look at different perspectives was because of playing team sports. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that what I do affects the rest of the team, or what I don't do affects mm-hmm. the rest of the team. So, um, and and having these mo- these aha moments, you know, um, definitely make a impact for 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 a lifetime. Right. For a lifetime, so that one moment, it's just gonna, it, it's, it's, it's just gonna stick forever. Um, and you know the way, the way you explain of how you do things, mm-hmm. it's, it's so, so unusual from, from my experience, mm-hmm. anyways, right? So, ooh. you have to, you have to just, man, you gotta just try to. Look at things different, you know, and mm-hmm. that's how I've always been. Like, just try to think outside the box, but I always try to trick my mind. Like, just let me try to, because I know that ninety five percent of ninety nine percent of people are gonna want to run you. So you know what? Let me flip mm-hmm. this. Let me coach. Just no coach. You really this ain't punishment. And then I just looked at myself as this is a workout. Like my brother, um, when he worked for UPS, he made he used to once he used to want the like the the third floor uh, apartments because he wanted to, like that's a workout. Let me see how much. Let me see how fast I could take this box up these stairs real quick. So we didn't look at it like, oh man, that's three floors. We looked like, yeah, that's a workout today. I'm getting my calves stronger. So we just always looked at stuff mm-hmm. that everybody looks at as I don't want that. To like, man, I want that job. I want that third floor one because it's a workout. You know, I get to do three stairs, three flights of stairs. So that's just kind of turn it into turn a it game. Into, it's a workout. Like so, it's. It's cool, you know, so we just never looked at stuff that other people look at as, oh, shoot, this is five. Like, like even at hotels, I don't take the elevator. Like, I don't take the elevator. 
you know, and even when I was at uh, UTA, our head coach, Scott Cross, who's at Troy now, our motto was take the stairs. You know, mm. like, we're going to take the stairs. We're not going to take the elevator. You know, so even if we look at the elevator is for certain people, we looked at like, no, we're going to take our bags and we're going to take the elevator. If there's four or five flights, we're not taking the elevator. We're taking our bags and we take the elevator. We don't, I mean, we take the stairs, I'm sorry. We don't take mm-hmm. the stairs, not the elevator. So even right now, if I'm at a hotel, I don't take the elevator. Now, if the room is like on the 20th floor, that's something different. But for the most part, nine, eight, seven, no, I'm taking stairs. That's mm-hmm. just me, you know, but that's our mindset. Like we take the stairs. So yeah, hmm. it, it just shows like the your values, your principles, and everything's just aligned. Um, and, and it shows the true you. Like what it's kind of like what your, your, you know, growing up seeing your brother, it wasn't that what he said, it was what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's staying true to yourself and, and your, what you do. I mean, it just shows in every aspect, um, from, from what I, from mm-hmm. what I'm, what, from what I'm understanding. We're blessed. Like, I think we take it for granted. And I think after losing mm-hmm. my brother, we always say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, or tomorrow's always promised. And you believe that. And now I know that tomorrow's not always promised because I'm pretty sure my brother thought tomorrow was promised. I mean, he was hugging his girlfriend and died. That's how he died. Yeah, he hugged his girlfriend, passed away. So, yeah, so now I know that tomorrow's not promised. So we say that with the idea that it is promised. You know, it's all you, you it's all tomorrow's not promised, but you really you think that it is promised, even though we it's say more it. like a cliche. Yeah, more like a cliche. But now I know it's not promised now. You know, I know that it could be taken away from me any minute now. So that's why I'm blessed that I could take the stairs. I'm not gonna take the elevator. That's just me. I'm not I would not take an elevator at a hotel. Why? Three floors? Why? Two floors, really? We pay, we're waiting for the elevator for two floors. Seriously? And we're healthy? Come on, y'all. Like, no, <laughs> not doing it. You know, and I I would never take the stairs ever. You know, when I'm at the hotel, man, I take the fifth floor, I'm taking the stairs. That's just me. But I just have that mindset, like, there's going to come a point where I have to take the elevator. Mm-hmm. You know, as I get older and my body ain't working, I might have, you know, I might have to take it if I'm injured or something like that. But if I'm healthy, I will not take the elevator. Mm-hmm. Just not going to do it. That's just me, though. I look at things, it's a workout. Ooh, mm-hmm. I get, you know what? I just burned five calories just walking down these stairs today. But no, I'm not... But that's just how I treat, that's how I look at life. Like, I love it. The elevator's for, to me, people that can't make it up the stairs. That's just my personal opinion. I will carry my luggage up five flights of stairs because that's just me. Mm-hmm. So elevator mm-hmm. to me is a privilege. Oh, you don't have to take it because it's there. <laughs> just run up the stairs and you're good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it just puts it in, in into perspective, really. Uh, like the way you were explaining it, like it, 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 it kind of takes it back to, to like this this is a privilege like privilege like this you have the capabilities to you know to to do things that maybe some other people can't do and that's why you know and and that's the perfect example to use the elevator for example and and just using this example it's like some people really can't take the stairs Mm -mm, that's now is is your house a one store two store one one you realize that there's people that will take an elevator one flight at a hotel, but then they have a two-story home and they'll take the stairs because it's it's no elevator. Right. But you would take the elevator at a hotel that and go one floor. Literally, you would take an elevator for one floor to walk up six steps, but then you have 12 steps in your house that mm-hmm. you do every single day. Mm-hmm. But you would take an elevator at the hotel. You will wait there 
for that to go one or two flights. That's it. But you, but I have, I think, 12, maybe 12 or 16 steps at my house to go upstairs. And I, you, I don't use the elevator. So why don't I use the elevator to go up 16 mm-hmm. flights at a hotel? No, I'm not going to do it because it's there. No. But that's just my mindset. And I try to tell these kids, like, we're going to change your mindset when you come to the bubble. I'm changing your mindset. Like, we're not going to have that same mindset when you come in here that we're going to change it. You're going to be tougher. You're going to learn how to deal with adversity. You're going to learn how to deal with tough situations. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to push you. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to all look back three or four years from now, you're going to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. But I'm going to really try to change your mindset and get you to look at things a totally different way. I'm not saying this approach works for everybody, but this is how I feel. And when you come train with me, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to work that mind. We're going to work the mental part of it. We're going to have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And when you have a bad day, you know, you look bad today. You're horrible. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's black and white with me. There's mm-hmm. no in between. You know, I don't, don't, uh-uh, it's, you, you suck today. Yeah. I love it. I, I love you, the, the real. It was horrible. You did mm-hmm. bad today. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, ah, you were bad today. Or you know what? You were great. You were great or you were horrible. That's it. There ain't going to be no in between. You're bad <laughs> or you're horrible today. That's it. That's it. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I love the, the, because you, you can't really, like if you're sugarcoating or you're just saying things just to make them feel good mm-hmm. or or not make them feel bad, that's really a disservice mm-hmm. uh, because they're they're now they have now now their perspective is it's a little off. Like now what they're hearing, like if for the people to say for say uh, and other and you know not to like. For other coaches that maybe they do this, maybe uh, like if they if they try to not hurt their feelings for whatever reason, maybe them mm-hmm. growing up, they, you know, their feelings got hurt. So maybe they try not not to hurt other people's feelings, uh, you know, but now that that's that's you're really not helping mm-hmm. them because they don't know that this was actually not not a great a great uh, uh, workout or great mm-hmm. session. That, but on the bright side, you have potential for more. That's really what you're saying. Like, well, like well, that. But I want parents to be parents. What I mean by that is that what changed in my relationship with my daughter was I was trying to be dad and coach. Mm. When I just became dad, me and my daughter became closer. Where now I'm the one on the car drive home, say, "Baby girl, that's okay. Don't you know you, you don't worry about what that coach said. You did good." Like. Sometimes the, your kids just want you to be dad. So mm. my point is, let me be the, the the a-hole. Let me be the bad person so you could be Ooh. dad on a ride home. You say, you know what? I know Coach Reggie said that you was horrible, but you know what? You did good. Don't worry about what he's Because mm. let me be the bad person. Mm. But my point is. There's a place. There's a place. But my point is, I don't want people that are watching to think that I'm just killing his kids. Like, oh, he don't even. Pay. There's a fine line. But my point is. My kids get to the point where they're like, Coach Brown, did I do good today? Like, nope. And I leave it at that. Coach Brown, nope. But guess what? When they finally get that yes, it's the biggest smile in the world because they're like, whoa, like I did it. Like I got that yes. Because I'm not going to just give you a yes. But when they get it, they feel it now, you know, and stuff like that. Now it's just like they just go. Now they keep on. Now they got it. But I'm not going to just say it. Now to me, you be the mom on that drive home. Mm. Like, baby, don't worry. But let me be the bad person. I want to be the bad person. I want you to be mom. I want him to be dad. Let me be the bad person. Mm. So on that drive home, you're like, you know what? I know Coach Reggie said, but then now you could just be dad. Let me. And when mm. me and my daughter, because when I was, when my daughter was hearing it from the coach, then I got in the car. She was hearing it from me. It's like, where's her safe place at? Like, 
dad gonna get on me, coach gonna get on me, everybody gets on me. But when she can now come to me and I could just be dad and give her that hug, hey, baby girl, you did good, don't worry about that. I got you, coach. But hopefully that coach is, but I'm gonna be dad now. Let's go get our ice cream. That's, mm. y'all know what coach said, but let, you know, and let coach coach your kids. So mm. I don't just give you a yes, but so when those kids get it though, you should see their smile. When they finally get, they had a good workout from me, it's the biggest smile in the world, and they're happy. It's like they're running to prove to me, okay, I'm gonna, today's going to be the day. Nope, it wasn't a day. <laughs> nope. And I tell girls, th these parents will tell you, they're just little fourth-grade girls. Coach Brown, I have a good workout today. Nope. It was <laughs> bad. You wasn't good today. And you should saw that girl, uh, Carson, when she finally got that yes, man, she had the biggest smile in the world. I said, go get you four popsicles. Now, you had a great workout today. And now they really believe like it's it meant something now mm. when they finally hear it the right way but i'm not going to just kill a kid like just you No, there's ways to do it but if you ask me at the end of the process like, oh you didn't have a good workout today no no mm -hmm. no but when they finally get that thumbs up man you it's like now they just keep going now but it, it's, a, it's a game i'm playing but i'm working at their parents i'm like you know, they know that they mm. did good, but I'm not going to tell them they did good. Right now, it's too early for me to tell them they did good, but their parents know where I'm coming from. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. So, like, no, I look at them, I think they did good, but I'm not going to let them know that. But they, your kid actually did real good today, but mm, not yet. Mm -hmm. Not time for that yet. I want them to continue to have that chip when they come in here right now, Ooh. you know, that that edge. I don't want them to feel like they got it yet. No, I might, I might not tell them a year before they had a good workout. Nope, you're not going to get to earn this good workout from me. So... But the parents know where I'm coming from. Right, mm -hmm. right. Now, you mentioned um, you you had uh, a rule where the parents can't mm -hmm. speak during the, oh, the train-out sessions. Do you have any other rules no, in your gym? No, I just tell parents, y'all be quiet. I just tell parents, be quiet. Oh, I will literally, I'll kick them out. They'll tell you. <laughs> I, I have kicked out parents in my gym. And I have one of those little garage-type doors and warehouses and the parents kind of sit on a little bench, and there was one mom sitting out there was yelling. I just closed it right there in front of her. What? Closed that, and they tell you, I don't play. Like, I don't play. They don't. And it's funny when you see a new parent come, and they start talking. The other parents are like, uh-oh. <laughs> and they know it's coming. They know it's coming. I'm like, mm-mm-mm. They know. You should see the, 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 the old parents' faces. They're funny. Be like, okay. <laughs> so... I don't, just let me, give me an hour and a half with your kid. I just want an hour and a half. It makes sense. That's it. If you, I tell parents, like, look, if I'm charging you 20 bucks an hour to train your kid, if you want to talk, just, I will give you this gym for an hour. Just give me 20 bucks and I'll leave. <laughs> I mean, if you want to train your kid, you can yes. use my gym for 20 bucks to train your own kid. Right. And I can leave. Right. You know, and stuff like that. So these parents are starting to understand, if you want to trust me with your kid, trust me. If not, take them somewhere else. Yes. I don't want to train your kid, I don't want your kid looking at you every time they do something looking at you. I don't want that. So just take mm. your kid somewhere else. I don't need this money. It's mm. 20 bucks. What do you do? Like, I don't need it. And you're not going to find a, with that 20 bucks at my gym, you're getting, I don't even charge for my agility training. That's an hour. And I train you for an hour and a half in basketball. So you get two and a half hours of training for 20 bucks. Two and a half hours for 20 bucks. Now, when I was doing it, before I had my gym, it was free. I didn't even charge. And like I said, if you don't have the 20 bucks, I won't even care. Um, there was this one story. This is a true story, too. This one girl, she was coming to my trainings. And true story, she was like 10 minutes late one day. She goes, Coach Rachel, I'm sorry for being late. I said, you know, I'm, I'm like, what was you late for? You know, just don't late. You just kind of mess with She goes, well, I have to go to the pawn shop. I said, the pawn shop for what? She goes, to pay for your skills. I said, uh-uh. Nope. 
said, no, nah, don't you ever do that again. Ever since then, I'm like, you don't have to pay for it ever again for a training. Like, but that shows why this girl went to a pawn shop to pawn her lamp to pay for training. Like, crazy. And at that point, I'm like, and then when I put that on Facebook, when I mentioned the person's name, I had so many people just want to cash at me to just take care of this one kid. And I said, look, you don't ever have to worry about a training again, ever. Like, ever. If you're that dedicated to want to be around me and want to come to my training, that you upon something to come to train with me, like, dude, like, that means the world to me. Like, you would actually pawn something to be in my presence for an hour and a half. You don't ever have to pay for a training again as long as you live. So it's stuff like that to me is what it's all about, you know, just doing stuff like that, impacting kids' lives and doing it from the heart, you know. And like I tell people, like, I know sometimes, like, when you pay for something, you, you the kids are going to appreciate it more because the parents kind of, they want to pay. You know, they want to pay you. But I always tell parents, if you don't have it, dude, just still bring your kid. Like, we'll figure it out. So, but, yeah, so there's good stories when you do stuff like that. Like, I love the stories and able to share stuff with people and, um, and like I said, just change lives. And I'm just glad for that, like I told you, that American uh, God talent when that person said my passion. I just wanted to follow my passion. And now, even though I haven't been, I've been offered college coaching jobs, but I feel that this is where I need to be right now is, mm -hmm. you know, still, I still get phone calls to coach on a collegiate level, but I turned down good money to be around these kids. <laughs> wow. Hats off. Mm -hmm. ha seriously, because not everybody does that. Like, I would say most people would would not do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is admirable. Like, I, I, I like have even no words for that, seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, because you are truly changing people's lives. Um, so that's that's awesome. Uh, but anyways, okay. <laughs> so uh, I want to get on to like Bubble. Bubble is the, the name bubble. of your the, <laughs> the bubble. bubble. The bubble. How 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 was that name? It was just I think created or how, where did was, that come from? It was during COVID when the NBA mm -hmm. was playing. They called it the bubble. You know, like because they couldn't play in front of crowds, so they had to go to Florida and play inside those arenas. What they call it, like they're in a the bubble now because they have no fans. They're like in a bubble, so. I just started calling my gym the bubble, and it kind of just stuck, and everybody just started calling it the bubble. When you going to open up the bubble? Are we having training at the bubble today? Is the bubble training today? So we just stuck with it, and good shirts goes down at the bubble, and, like, it just, the bubble just stuck, and everybody just likes that name, the bubble. So we just call it the bubble now. And perfect timing, it perfect is. everything. It just, everybody just like the bubble, and, like, it's pretty cool to see people wearing your shirts, knowing that they're part of the bubble, and, People wanting shirts because they want to act like I train at the bubble. I train with Coach Rage at the bubble and stuff like that. So it's cool to – I think the name just sticks now. It's like a small little gym. It's like a little bubble. So we we enjoy it. Uh, I love it. I, I love the story behind it mm -hmm. too, you know, and it, it's all connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, 2020 was uh, such a eye-opening for a lot of people. And, and then everything just kind of came to a complete stop. And now they have to be in their mm -hmm. homes and – you know, like being stuck with the people that their family, but now that's a whole thing to get used to. How was, how was COVID time for you? I mean, I, I know already it's, it was very defining. You opened your, mm -hmm. your, your gym. That's me thinking so, different again. I've always did almost like what you're not supposed to do. Like I said, <laughs> when I was little, I told you I ran the first base. When you're supposed to throw the ball the first place, that's just who I am. Like, mm -hmm. who would open up a gym during COVID? Who mm -hmm. would 
open up a gym where people are closing gyms, but I opened up a gym. Like, I just think differently, but it was the best thing for me. Because um, before the gym, like, again, like, these kids had nowhere to go. And I was training kids in my culture sack. You know, I had all the kids in the neighborhood just training because they had nowhere to go. I know it was tough because with COVID and all that, but I checked their temperature back then, you know, they sanitized everything. I, we was in my garage and in the front, we was running doing, I had the whole, it was free. I'll be on Facebook Live. You want to bring your kid out here? We're going to mm-hmm. check temperature. I know these kids need to got the house, but bring them to my house. We're going we gonna to work on this. But for me, I use it as a time just to train kids and enjoy it. And everybody else was like, is it okay? I'm like, just bring them to the house. Like, we're going we're gonna to be outside. We're going to distance apart. We're going to spray down all the stuff. We're going to Lysol. We're going to get this thing going. So I was training kids. I got video of me out there training kids, 20 kids, neighborhood kids, just people pulling up, just going through my workouts. And then that's when, you know, I was like, you know, I need to get a gym. This is getting kind of crazy. And it just so <laughs> happened that one came up and I used that time while everybody else was closing stuff down. And the guy that I got the gym from, he it was a baseball team and he only could afford one of them because of COVID. So I was able to take over the other one. And again, I was training kids during COVID and just trying to take temperature and, and all that. So I used it as... Mm. A different way. I mm. I took advantage of it. Took advantage. Took advantage of it. of it when nobody else could go to gyms. I'm gonna open my own gym because that kids can't get into gyms. Kids are not able to work out right now. Mm. Kids are at mm. home. So this is my opportunity to open up something where I could get kids out because they need to get out this house. They need to work. You know, and as long as parents are okay, you know, they signed a waiver and all that stuff. I had a COVID waiver and all that kind of stuff because we didn't know what really how you get it. It was just. We didn't know, but I just tell you, look, you know your kid. If your kid's not feeling well, don't bring them. But we're going to do temperature check. We're going to lice everything down, and we're going to keep these kids active. And I'm glad that it seemed like everybody made it through. Nobody got sick, and we're all here to still talk about it. So, But I'd use it as an opportunity to train kids, mm. um, and it worked out for the best for me. I don't think if COVID, to be honest, if COVID probably doesn't hit, I don't know if I would have opened up my own gym because I would have just probably continued to train outside at the school because I was training at Kennedy High School. But once COVID hit, everything was closed. You couldn't go to the schools no more. They wouldn't allow me to use the outside stuff because they wanted everybody away from the schools. So I would probably would have just kept training at the high school and not had my own mm-hmm. facility and my own business and stuff like that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That 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 is that is great because you used a moment of where everybody is running this way. You're mm-hmm. like I'm going out oh, or that's me though. I'm gonna always try to <laughs> look at things different. I've always looked at things different. So how was your experience in uh in Ireland? Let's go. It was back. fun. Oh yeah. It was fun. I mean, it was because you're you're there, Michael Jordan's over there. Like you're their professional athletes. Mm. So like when you're in Ireland, they look at you as like, oh my God, that's that's you know, you're walking down the street and like, oh my God, or if you're at McDonald's and you wipe your face with a napkin, they want to grab your napkin. You know, because you're there. You're their NBA players over there. So that was real fun. And like, you know, like they will give you a job, like to work like at a foot locker because they just want you to sit there. So it'll draw people in. Mm. And you just getting paid just to sit at a foot locker out because all you do is basketball, you know, the whole time. So what did you, what did you want to do the other time when you're there? So we like get a job at the mall at like a shoe store and they just want you to sit there. So you could just, people, oh my God, you have a lovely accent. Like, huh? Because our accent is different in Ireland. They think we talk real. Lovely. I'm like, my accent is lovely. Like, so it was cool. Like, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Just 
playing professional basketball and just it was it was an experience that I would never ever forget. It was awesome. How did that come knocking on your door? When I left Utah, I had an agent that you know was able to make some phone calls and got me overseas, and it was it was a good experience. I mean, I probably would have kept playing, but at that time I was forty hours short for my degree. I was like, "What would you go in college be forty hours short?" You know, so I'm sorry, I was forty two hours short of my degree, and I was like, "Man, I want to get my degree." Like, I don't want to, you know, like I started college in '93 to '97. I went overseas. 97, 98, I'm like, man, I don't want my tassel to say zero, zero on it. I want my tassel to at least say something with a nine on it because mm. I started school in 93. I don't want my tassel to say 2000. That seemed, so I was like, well, let me go get my degree. So that's why I stopped playing basketball because I just wanted to get my degree. So I did 42 hours in one year. Whoa. Yeah. I did 15, 15, and 12 in the summer. Wow. Yeah, I did 42 hours in one year. But it was so easy just being a student. Like being a basketball player was tough to balance all that. But when I was just a student, I'm like, dude, it's easy being just a student, like have all this free time. I don't have to go to practice, treatment, study hall, community work. So 42 hours are kind of easy mm. to do. But um, but I would have probably still continued to play if I didn't have my degree. But I always like, I'm going to get this degree. Like I promised my mom's this degree. And I figured the longer you're out, the harder it's going to be to go back. So another decision I made is give up playing professional basketball to get a degree and I'm glad I did because when I look at my body like I tore one of my Achilles when I was 30 10 years later I tore another Achilles I have to I have a bad hip so you know what my career probably been done early so I'm glad I had that degree where I could like you know what I'm good now I can fall back on my degree and I'm good so I think it was a good decision that I stopped playing to get that paper so mm. but it was fun I I really enjoyed Ireland it was it was an awesome experience What did you enjoy most The people the fans um just probably the, I hated the weather cuz always rain in Ireland but just the people and the fans it was fun playing and you know cuz every team only allowed two Americans so it was kind of being cool you know like being that mm -hmm. American on the team and stuff like that, and kids coming up to you wanting your autograph and all that kind of stuff. So it was fun, you know, walking the streets and people, can't wait to see you today. You know, I'm ready for the game this weekend. Y'all better win, you know, and stuff like that. So it was fun. Mm. <laughs> did you uh, did you ever have, like, the the butterflies or the jitters? Uh, oh, of course, yeah, you yeah. get that. But once the ball goes up, you're good. If you don't have butterflies, then there's a problem. So it was fun. I mean, um, you know, just being that person that they depend on every single day and – and the thing about it, when you're an American over there, if you're not winning, if you're not scoring, they're going to get rid of you and bring in another American. So, um, mm -hmm. but it was a great experience. I love my teammates. It was it was fun. Do you do you still keep in touch? Yeah, through with social media. Okay. There's a couple, maybe like three or four, that we still talk through Facebook and stuff like that. Wow, that's that. What about uh, and and any any people you still do you still talk to anyone from like say your high school years? Oh not yeah, I'm still still do still high school friends, still college friends. So I still keep up with all of my friends from high school and college and. Stuff like that is cool now that I'm training some of their kids now, mm. you know, at the gym. So that's cool that I'm training my roommate's daughter now and stuff like that, that I was a roommate and teammates within college. I'm training his daughter now. So it's fun. Everything's kind of coming full circle and still just trying to continue to use this basketball as a, um, as vehicle. A, yeah, a vehicle to, you know, help kids, you know, go to school and get a chance to travel the world. And like I tell these kids, I go, man, you don't realize like, this sport could take you so many different places and you could meet so many different people. And it's just, 
traveling, staying in hotel rooms, you know, playing cards and, you know, just, mm. just awesome. Getting just food paid for and like just getting taken care of. It's just fun. You're just making memories. And that's what it's all about. Just like, even I tell these parents, you know, when they're, when you pay for all your kids, you know, AU stuff or select stuff, I'm like, you're really just paying for the memories. Like you're paying for them to have memories. And that's what it's all about. When these kids look back, like, I remember when I, like Alexis could sit there and say, I remember when we went to Michigan and we went to Iowa and it's like you're paying for memories. That's what I look at it. Like, I'm not looking at it like I'm just spending money. Oh, my God, this costs $4,000. Well, my daughter is getting memories with this $4,000 of playing select soccer. She's getting to, you know, travel and mm. all this. Like, the youngest we're going to San Diego, like I said, on Thursday for soccer. Yes, it's expensive, but this is memories for her. She's going to Sweden and Norway this summer for soccer. This is memories. So I'm going to look at it as just spending money. Look at that my kids are getting the opportunity to create memories and that's what it's all about like the the money comes and goes yeah, it's but, the memories but the the time they're in the memories that's that they're it. building now yes. they're just not going to come back no, that's what i remember the most about my college days is the road trips you know traveling with your teammates mm. it, that was fun you know we don't like home games we like road games it was just fun riding the bus and get on the airplanes and stuff like that but it's cool that you know now i'm able to use like i said um all my experience and now mm. giving back to this next generation. And that's why the bubble has been big for me. That's why I enjoy it. Um, it's my safe place. It's four hours out of the day where I could just put everything aside and and it's 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 therapy for me. It's therapy, therapeutic mm -hmm. for me when I'm training kids. I see. Where where like if it well, if if you were to if you were to say change something in the education system in regards to like uh, the way uh, athletes are being coached what is like one thing that you would change hmm. I mean that's a good question but I don't know that's a good question um that's a very good question I don't, I don't know if I would change I don't know I think everybody say even like not even in the college level say even uh like the um, the junior high, mm -hmm. high school levels. It's just, I mean, I think when you come to the junior high, like you're not, a lot of times you don't get um, sports-specific coaches. You might have, like, for example, when I was coaching at Bowie, my second sport was softball. Like, that's not fair to the girls that they got a basketball coach coaching softball. So sometimes I wish they would just hire sports-specific for the sports. Like, you shouldn't have a basketball coach coaching receivers in junior high because they don't have a, a lot of coaches because of the money. So, like, if you're coaching, if I played college basketball and I decide I want to coach junior high, I have to coach track. I have to also coach football. But I'm a basketball coach, so that's not fair to those kids that they're getting a basketball coach as their receivers coach. Or those girls mm -hmm. at Bowie got a basketball coach as their softball coach. Like, that's not fair. You know, you need to get a softball coach to coach softball. You know, get a wrestling mm -hmm. coach to coach wrestling. Get a basketball coach. There's some time uh, there's a football coach in high school that might be coaching JV basketball. Like, that's not fair, you know? So to me, I think that it'd be nice if you just had sports-specific coaches coaching their main sport. But I also understand it's a money thing, and you have to just tell that because we better learn softball, you know, and do the best you can. But that's not fair to the kids. But I understand because of the budgets and the financial part of it, they can't hire um, those. those specific coaches. So you got to learn different sports and – all that, but it would be nice if these kids could all be taught the sport by a coach that this is what they passion is and not something that, like, I've never played softball in my life. 
that was my second sport. Mm-hmm. Made no sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not fair mm-hmm. to the kids, but that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Um, yeah, because then if if that particular coach is not very passionate about what they're coaching, mm-hmm. then you know it's going to trickle down. Um, and and at the end of the day, it's same 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 result, right? The the, the student's not going to get mm-hmm. the, the best possible. Yeah, that's like advice. Ha- yeah, that's like having a English teacher teach math. I mean, like really, you know, like when <laughs> yeah. we teach math, I don't. Okay, what is this? I mean, and you're just trying to figure out as we go. Mm-hmm. But that's not fair to that kid. So that's probably the only thing I would say would be something good if you had sports specific coaching that particular sport and not having these coaches coach so many different sports that. That's not what they even know. Like right now, literally, you might see right now a job opening, and it might say head track coach, but basketball assistant. Well, most likely that head coach ran track in college and don't know anything about basketball, but that's his second sport. Mm-hmm. And okay, well, we'll figure out. And now this kid that loves basketball that wants to be great has his track coach coaching him in basketball now, which he might be in great shape and could run all day, but. Can't shoot because it's just what it is. So I, that's probably one thing. But we understand it is a budget, and you have to do what you have to do. Right, right. Where Where do you plan on on taking the bubble? The bubble. I don't know. Like people ask me, do I want to grow it? But I think the difference between my workouts is that I didn't want to be one of these people where you feel like if you make it bigger, you're gonna start having more kids, and then now your coach to kid ratio becomes one coach for every twenty kids, but I never wanted that. I wanted it to be more intimate where you're getting more of that one-on-one training, you know. I don't want to train more than five or six kids at one time. That's, to me, what separates me from mm-hmm. a lot of the other trainers where some people just do it for the money. They just want to get a bunch of kids and just train, which I don't want that. Like, I want to keep it where it's more one-to-one. So I don't know if I want to just – I like where it is right now. I mean, and um, it's – perfect for me and again it's not my main job so I don't need to grow it I just you know there's there's moments where I do hate where um I sometimes maybe have to turn away a kid because I don't want my ratio to be more than what it is because it's not fair to the other kids that I'm training like if I add another kid another kid now it's one coach for every 12 kids now they're not getting enough reps in and and it's not fair to everybody the attention so Unless I could, you know, find coaches that are, and it's hard to find people that are like you. Like, you could sit there and say, hey, I want to have a, another person work with me. But if they don't have the same vibe as you, it's not going to go well. You know, you mm. have to, it's hard to find people just like yourself when you're passionate about something. And it's hard, you know. So sometimes you just rather do it by yourself. And it might mean I can't, like, grab everybody. But it's still, I think it's best for the people I'm able to grab and stuff like that. Cause it wouldn't be fair if I grabbed you anyway. Um, Cause I wouldn't be able to give you that attention. So it might be, and I'm okay with trying to recommend you to somebody else. Like I'm okay. It's all about, we all in this together um, and stuff like that. But it's hard to find people that have the same passion as you. So it's hard to bring on help because you just feel like, Oh, they don't have the same love and passion that I have. So it's not going to work. Have you considered it? Yeah, and it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> I had somebody that it just didn't work. Like, I'm like, man, they're not the same as me, and they don't have that same passion. They'd rather go laugh and talk to the parents while I'm out here. And like, I tried it for, like, maybe a week or two, and like, eh, I'm going to do this by myself. It's it's better than doing it by yourself. So, because mm-hmm. I just have a different look on things, a different mindset, and this is, like, 
man, Brett, how can we get more numbers in? Because I don't want to talk money. It's not about money to me. That's what they want to come with. Like, man, Reds, if we do this and do this, like, nah, I'm, I'm not about that. Like, mm -mm, I'm good with the small numbers and we're good. And people ask me, Reds, you should charge more. Like, no, nah, I don't want to charge more. Reds, you have 13 years of Division One experience and there's people that's charging 65 bucks an hour, 75 bucks an hour. You're only charging 20. Like, like, well, that's just me. Like, I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, yeah, that's that I, I, I can completely see the reason why, why you do things, which um, I can see definitely why the, the success was just almost mm -hmm. instant for you because I mean, you're, you're coming from the heart. The intention mm -hmm. is there, um, you know, I, but at the in at the same time, you know, I, I wonder, I know you had a, an experience mm -hmm. where it was not great, but would you be open to have somebody else that can kind of oh, come yeah, under your wing? Yeah, and they're, yeah. If, they're, if they're in it, the same reason I'm in it for, like, understand, like, mm -hmm. it's not about the money. Like, we're not doing this for the money. Like, if it comes, it comes, if it doesn't, it doesn't. And, like, I'm just thankful that I could pay my rent at the gym every month. If I could break even, I'm good. Once I'm breaking even, I'm happy. Like my rent is sixteen hundred bucks a month, which is not that bad. But if I break even, I'm happy. Like shh, we're good because I'm not in it for the money. As long as I break even, I'm great and stuff like that. So um, if somebody wants to come along and they have a passion and about kids and want to see kids, you know, and it's fun. Like when you, I had a. I think when I started, I think I had a. I think there was maybe I sent my first group to college. I got the one. It was like maybe a sophomore or junior, and it was so cool on signing day when they wanted me to be there because they felt like I had a part in their success. So that's like the coolest day is when these kids are signing with colleges, and their parents reach out to you and was like, "Hey, can you come to our kid's signing party?" This one kid used to come all the way from Tyler to train with me. Tyler, he was coming on a Wednesday and a, on a Wednesday and Sunday to train. That's a two-hour drive. He'd come on a school night on a Wednesday, so trained this kid, and um. His mom reached out to me this year for his, you know, he graduated from up there in Tyler and said, could you come be the first surprise graduation party? Like, how can I not? Like, this kid was traveling way out here. I'm sure I'm going to do it. So when I got there, the kid was, like, so surprised when he saw me. Like, he was like, but that's what it's all about. Like, I love that kind of stuff. But to know that these people want me to be part of this special occasion, it's fun. Like, that's, what it's, that's what it's all about. So I love when... People say, Coach Brown, can you come to my signing day? Or Coach Brown, can you come to my, you know, graduation and stuff like that? And it's cool. So I'm glad that I'm starting to get those kids now since I've been doing it long enough where now kids are going to college now and I'm able to go watch them play and know that they came through the bubble. So that's pretty cool. And when they come through the bubble, they get their banner, you know, hung up at the bunk, you know, the bubble. So anybody that I coached and trained that's in college, they get their banner, you know, hanging up in the bubble. So it's good to start to see all these kids now. Oh. That I got a kid, my daughter, of course, runs at Baylor. Kendall runs track at Arkansas Little Rock. Fifi ran track at Stetson. Um, Ishmael is going to be playing football at Nebraska. Ken is playing basketball at Oklahoma State. Um, Trey is played at UTA. So I'm starting to get like, it's pretty cool to know that all these kids at some point, you know, train at the bubble. So it's pretty cool to see these kids now in college. And the bubble played a small part of their life. So it's pretty cool. That, that's mm -hmm. that's so that's so cool that's that it's cool that they get the banner oh, yeah. at, you know and at at your gym and you know it really interesting too um one thing i don't know if i pointed it out earlier but 
um, you know, in, in at the bubble, it's like, you, you know, you have no AC. No AC. Y- you know, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. You got no heater. Oh, heater. We're breaking a gas heater, but we got a, yeah, nothing. And um, and here you are building leaders. Right. And it's, it's like the, the mental toughness. Um, you know, I, I train. It's funny because, I, I, you know, I, I train jujitsu mm-hmm. and um, I'll, like coach always is talking about how, you know, a lot of the grown men are always complaining mm-hmm. about, you know, if we have to do bear crawls, you know, people are complaining, why do we have to do bear crawls or whatever it is, right? And one of the things he pointed out, but we do have AC in there, mm-hmm. right? And he, he, it's one of the things he points out is like, he's like, there is people, you know, in like different parts of the country mm-hmm. where th- right in here we have like the softest mats like mm-hmm. th- there is in the market and people in other places are are rolling in like outside mm-hmm. like in 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 concrete right. in in the in the heat and like there's no ac no heater no soft padding um and they're over there getting it done having fun and then we have over here people that are complaining about doing bear crawls, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So, you know, it was, it was, I was thinking about that as you were saying that and yeah. it's, it's so true, but yet, you know, and it's, and it's, but, and, and, you know, you stick true to that. You're like, well, you want to train here? Doesn't matter. No AC. No this AC. is, this is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to be. It's I part provide, of the training. Part of the training. I provide water. You know, I keep a, I keep water there for the kids and popsicles, but we're like, I told them like, this is, I mean, there's times where, you know, you might play in a gym that might be hot. You know, the gyms might, the floors not going to be perfect. But I know there could be people that could use that against me. Like, oh, why you want to go train the bubble, man? I got the state of the art facility over here. We have wood floors. And it's, okay, that's great. But I don't understand. I like this, that the bubble's not for everybody. But I like the old school mentality. And I like the kids that, like, I'm like, man, if I had this bubble when I was growing up, like, this would be awesome. Like, there's no sun beating down. It's hot in here. But it's different than, Mm. like, having, being outside. But this is, I love it. And it's funny because the parents all be sitting in their car in the air conditioning. I'm over here sweating. I love it, you know, and stuff like that. But these kids, they leave out of that workout, though. They feel good because they're drenched. And I think they feel good when they leave out of them. <laughs> they're just soaked and stuff like that. So, um, but it does, it teaches them toughness. It's not for everybody. And I don't want it to be for everybody. Mm. You know, I want it to be for people that want to that be really different, want that it. really want it. This is, the bubble is not for everybody. You know, we're not, we don't have the wooden floors. We don't have the, the all this but man we're gonna get a great workout in and we're gonna have fun doing it we're gonna learn and we're gonna challenge you mentally and and that is cheap but you're getting great work i mean and stuff like that so um i just think we have a different edge when you come through the bubble because you're gonna get stuff that you're not gonna get nowhere else i mean and i think it's gonna make you tough you have no choice but to be tough by Mm -hmm. practicing 100 degrees you know and the fans are just blowing hot air you know and stuff like that it just but the kids, but we're trying, like, man, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all ain't nobody training like this in Texas, man. We we putting in work right now. This ain't no air conditioning, man. We getting tough right now. You know, that's kind of like trying to get them pumped up. Like, man, this ain't for everybody, y'all. Y'all are special. This ain't for everybody. And stuff <laughs> like that. Just trying to find a way to. And it's true. It's true. You know, it, it is true. And, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it. Uh, and it's same idea, I guess, earlier when you were saying, you know, when you came back to finish your degree, mm-hmm. it was easy. It was easy. It was because, you know, it, because it was a lot harder before or you, you had to put a lot more time or mm-hmm. or work before. So at that point, getting doing, you know, getting 42 hours of 
of, of college work in to finish your degree in a year, it was nothing. nothing. Like that's I could have graduated in three years the way if I was just a student. Because I did 42 in one year. I think it's like 128 to graduate. So, I mean, I did, what, 42 in one year? I mean, so if I would have just knocked it out, I could have graduated in three years. If I was just a regular student, literally, I mean, it was easy. Right. But, but, I mean, and, but, yeah, so it just, to me, it's a good way to, you know, like you said, because there's people that are in places that they would love the bubble. They would think this is a state of the art in some cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just said, you know, there's people that would think that, you know, well, y'all places big time, but, like, they think the bubble, if I go get some kids from, you know, third world countries and stuff like that, they're like, man, this is awesome. Like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, this is, man, we could get good in this gym. This is awesome. I mean, you have an inside toilet and you have a refrigerator with water and it's hot, but, man, this is awesome. Like, they were like, this is great. So um, I just try to, again, reverse things and try to play with their mind again. Like, dude, this ain't for everybody. Like, man, it, when y'all, now, like you said, now when you all, when you finally get, and Eric and y'all are gonna feel good after mm-hmm. being in here. Then now you go on a real court. You're gonna fly, man. Y'all gonna be like, okay, if I can handle the ball on this surface, man. Imagine when I get on the wood and whenever, like. So I think you could use it as a positive. And but again, I tell people the bubble is not for everybody. Like, you got to be mentally tough. And hopefully, parents are parents from the old school generation that gets it because they know I'm an old school type coach. And if you're that new generation type parent, I might not be the one for you because I'm gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. I'm gonna be real positive and if you want the real answer i'm going to be real with you if you say reggie right now is my kid a division one player i'm like no he's probably a d3 player in my opinion now it's just my opinion but i'm going to be real with you i'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it if you say reggie man my kid had a bad workout no he actually had a great workout you know so in my opinion Mm -hmm. but i'm not but i'm going to be real and honest and i'm sorry if it hurts your feelings but i can't sit here and lie i got to tell you what i feel at this moment now, does he have the potential to be a Division One player if he can continue to work and do this and that? But right now, no, he's not there yet, in my opinion. But, you know, it's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a fact. It's just, you know, like I tell people, I think, what did I say? Like, you know, work so hard that somebody's opinion becomes a fact or something like that. But it's like, you know, I'm going to – if if I said Alexis, in my opinion – you know, you could be the greatest. Let's turn that opinion into a fact. Like, we're going to make that a fact. Like, let's, you know, I always tell my kids, you know, let's work so hard that your signature becomes an autograph. You know, like, it's Ooh. just not a signature. It's, it's an autograph now because we want to be we want to be special. Like, because mm. right now you write your name on a piece of paper, it's just nothing. But we want to work so hard that now that's it's, it's autograph now. So that's kind of how we, I tell you, you're going to work so hard that your signature becomes an autograph. You know, that's kind of how we look at things and, I know growing up, our dads always say, you know, shoot for the moon. Because if you come up short, you'll still be amongst the stars. You know, so that was the way we look at things. Let's shoot high. Let's say I'm going to be a millionaire. So guess what? If I come up short and I'm making $100,000 a year, that's still great. I mean, if, like I told people, I might not have the biggest house on the street, but they're going to have a house on that street. You know, mm-hmm. um, I might not have a Lexus, but they're going to have an expedition. I'm going to have something. I might, you know, but I just always felt like we're going to shoot high. So if we come up short, we're still good. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still good. We come up short. So we, my dad always said, let's shoot for the moon. If you come up short, you're going to still be amongst the stars. So we shot high. And if we do come up short, we still good, you know, and stuff like that. So, but I'm not going to say, I'm going to make $20,000 a year. Nah, then if I come up short, that means I'm making five. You know, we're going to make a million a year. So if I come up short, and I'm making 200000 a year. That is still good money. Mm-hmm. So we shoot high and 
But that's just what I tell these kids. We're going to go for it, but you have to take everything I say, you know, and understand, like, we're going to get it right. You know, we're going to get it right now, but you, we have to be realistic. Everybody's not Division One. Everybody's not Division Two. But there are so many different levels to be successful. You don't have to be a Division One player. As long as you go in college, extending your career, I'm glad. If it's an NIA school, a junior college, a JUCO, whatever it is, let's let's find the right fit for you, and let's go from there. But let's just try to get this school paid for. Let's get this education, and let's see what happens. But I'm going to be real and honest. It might hurt your feelings, but I'm just going to just go from what I know. And if you don't believe me, I could take your film, send it to one of my homeboys that's coaching, and they could come back and tell you the same thing. No, Reggie ain't good enough, but I'm going to be real with you. But mm-hmm. if not, prove me wrong. It's just an opinion right now. Mm-hmm. You know, just prove me wrong. So Yeah, I, I love that that thought that, you know, putting things into, like, a perspective, even, like, you know, make your signature, to, you know, become a, an autograph. Mm-hmm. You know, because it just it, it it really does change the perspective where it it takes it a, a step forward and it's like, yeah, we're we're shooting mm-hmm. a little higher. Yeah. Uh, for for parents, like what based on like your experience with working with kids and interacting with parents, what would you say one of the biggest challenges is or what would you what what advice uh what, 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 well, first, uh, the challenges. What are some of the biggest challenges you see, even not necessarily directed with you, mm-hmm. like, but maybe from what you can tell with the parent and the and the kid? I think parents these days don't allow their kids to fight for anything no more. Mm. They want the easy way. You know, like, if you look at right now, when you think about um, the NCAA, they have a thing called the transfer portal, you know, and it's like, if you're not happy, you can just transfer now. If you're not happy, you transfer same with select basketball. You know, if a kid is not playing, they go to another team. They go to another team. It's never the kid's fault. It's always the coach's fault, you know. And sometimes you have to it's, – it's, look at the person in the mirror. It's not, it's not everybody's fault. But I think now we're in this generation where we grew up, it was like, no, you're not transferring. You're going to fight for that starting position. You know, it's more like, no, you just can't leave. You know, you're going to fight for this position. And now I think we're just in this generation where things are always given – as they talk about like the participation trophy and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, like everything is just given to you now and nobody has to fight for anything no more. Um, and it's, I remember when I didn't start, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to transfer. I'm about to work harder this summer and I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to prove to you, coach, you made the mistake. But mm-hmm. now it's like, mm, I'm just going to transfer. I'm just going to transfer. I'm going to transfer. So, and I think it starts now with, you know, AAU basketball. It starts Real young, it starts even in seven-year-olds. Could be on a soccer team and they're not playing, and they ready to go to another soccer team. Mm-hmm. I don't see people fight no more, and that's what gets me. Is like we're gonna fight. If you told me right now my daughter's playing select soccer right now for the Dallas Texans, if the coach told me that my daughter was not going to start, I'm like, okay, what she got to do to get better? You know, mm-hmm. we gonna I right, I right, Audie, but we're not gonna go to this other team. You know, you are gonna fight for it. So I just don't like just a lot of times that parents just take the easy way out and they don't allow their kid to go earn it, go fight for it. Now, if the coach has something against your kid and it's something personal, then that's something totally different. But if it's just because of a, you know, your kid's not working hard enough and blah, 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 you just want to leave, then that's fine. I mean, that's, that's not, that's not cool. Fight for it. Now I understand that there could be different fits where, okay, this style might not fit me. And I learned now after being here, it's a totally different style and it maybe doesn't fit my kid. 
you know, my kid is playing a lot of minutes, but just style just doesn't fit. I understand that. But if it's about coach or I'm a kid, I'll fight for it. So I just don't like that kids now these days, parents allow their kids just to get up and leave, leave, leave. You see kids now play for five or six or seven AAU teams, three or four mm-hmm. different colleges now. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. What are you really teaching them? You know, so I don't like that part of sports right now where parents are just allowing kids just to get up and go and not fight for anything no more, especially at eight, nine, ten years old. Like, really? Let them compete. Mm-hmm. Let's compete like we did back in the day. Let's compete. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered, like, uh, like in some sense, like, you know, coaching adults? Yeah, whether, uh, like, more so, like, in – it's, it kind of ties into the other question of like having a team or having mm-hmm. somebody that can help, you know, uh, help you maybe help coach other kids. But has has that other has that thought ever came into your mind? As far as like talking to parents, to coaching parents. Yeah. I mean, I I will like every once in a while, like there's coaches that might invite me to speak to their parents, like in high school, where I could kind of go out there and mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year educate these parents on how we as college coaches evaluate you as a parent um sometimes mm-hmm. you might want to know why your kid is not getting recruited by this certain school it might be because of the way you act during games you know i remember when i was coaching you know in college we looked at parents we evaluate parents if we see a parent always yelling at the coach blah blah, blah well, why we want to sign this kid where we have to deal with this parent for four years just like this so we evaluate parents you know we coaching you know college basketball you know and stuff like that so sometimes parents are hurting their own kids getting recruited because we don't want to deal with that parent. Parent is crazy. Now, if you're just a special athlete like a LeBron James or somebody, okay, we might deal with your parent then. But for the most part, those players are type, those players are rare. So as a parent, sometimes like we're evaluating you guys. We're seeing the way you guys are conducting yourself at basketball games. And if you're acting crazy or you're getting a reputation of being a crazy parent, we're not going to recruit your kid. And we as coaches, we talk like, man, Reg, you don't want to recruit that kid. Man, his dad crazy. You know, I mean, his mom always complain, always, no, nah, you don't want it. Mm-mm. So parents don't understand sometimes how they're um, hurting their own kids' recruitment because of the way that they're behaving at these events or the reputation they're getting from coaches about being, you know, that parent. And then also, if I'm recruiting your kid and I see that your kid played on five or six or seven different AAU teams, is that not a red flag for me that if you come to my school, most likely you might want to transfer, you know, because you seem like you have a pattern of always leaving. So what makes me think that if you come here, you're not going to leave after a year? So parents don't realize they're, they're hurting their kids. So that, I'm glad I could sometime educate these parents because I've coached on every level. You know, I coached high school. I coached junior high. I coached collegiate basketball. So I can sit there and tell you what it looks like on every level. But, of course, the main goal for these kids from the parents for them to go to college. And I'm sitting there telling you, this is what we look for as college coaches. And if it's even where this kid is good, this kid isn't, it's going to, okay, what is the separation? Man, this parent, these parents are actually good parents right here. That might be the difference. And us signing that kid instead mm-hmm. of that kid is their parents. So, you know, so I do like to go educate parents on certain things. Some listen, some don't, um, but they have no idea how we are also evaluating your parent and how they act during these sporting events. And that plays a significant part on us recruiting your kids to the next level. Oh, mm-hmm. oh that's great insider information there mm-hmm. for uh, parents. And even, you know, just to, 
take a moment to even, okay, how am I being we're watching you. parent? We're watching you. <laughs> we see you at the games, and we're looking at you, too. Mm. And if, like, I remember when I was coaching at uh, UT Arlington, our coach said, you know, if you're going to recruit a kid from Arlington, like, make sure he could play. Because if not, you have to deal with their parent every single day, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just what it is, especially if you're one of those parents. Like, you already see them the way they're – you're getting already insight from the coach at – so-and-so school that, man, this parent is crazy. They always want to have a parent-teacher meeting. Well, it's mm -hmm. not going to change when they go to college. If they're not playing, now they're local. They're going to be wanting to knock on your door. So you know what? We just recruit a kid from Chicago then because we're not going to deal with this parent out here locally because they're just they're crazy. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go get a kid somewhere else. And they never understood why we might re be recruiting kids from other states because we have to deal with their parents every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> what, where, which, uh, which level did you enjoy coaching the most, and why? Aside than uh, aside from your personal yeah, gym? college, because college. Um, I told people the reason why I got out of coaching high school was I started enjoying practices more than games um, mm -hmm. because I'd have to deal with parents. You know, there's mm -hmm. times in high school I might we might have won a game by 30 points, and you got parents want to talk to you. Why did my kid play? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like you have to deal with parents too much in high school. So it was just, it was a headache, you know. And it's like, what is your kid going to tell you when you ask him, how was practice good? How was practice good? It was good. So then now that parent thinks that their kid had five great practices, why they're not playing? So do you think as a coach that I'm not going to play your kid because he had great practices and I, I like, I don't want to win? Like, there's a reason why your kid didn't play. Did your kid tell you that he me in practice? Did your kid tell you that he was late? Did your kid tell you that he talked back to, to this teacher? Did your kid tell you that he got the ball stolen from him five times this week in practice? Did your kid tell you that he couldn't make a shot today or this whole week? Did he tell you all that or did he come home and say, I had a great workout, I did good, I did good, and you're basing your decision on what he told you? And do you think I'm just going to just sit here and not play your kid because he's that good? Like, really? You know, and parents just don't understand. Like, and I, we, like you hear this so much as a coach, like – it's so crazy that you can come to our job and tell us what to do, but we can't come to your job and tell you what to do. <laughs> you know, like I hate that about coaching. You can come to my work and tell me exactly what I have to do, but I can't come tell you you didn't do that good enough. You know, so, but I enjoyed college because you'd have to deal with parents. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy that you're losing a lot of good coaches on the high school level sometimes because they don't want to deal with parents. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you hear a lot of coaches just say, man, I don't want to deal with parents no more. It's the parents that is running good coaches, you know, out of coaching because we don't want to deal with this, you know, why, 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 you know, and stuff like that. So coaching collegiate was a lot better because, you know, you don't have to deal with parents. Kids are a little bit older now, you know, and it's it was just fun. And the games were fun now. But in high school, I used to love practice, hate games. Mm. And, and every parent, of course, thinks that their kid is – um, amongst the best mm -hmm. and uh, or if not they at least deserved you know playing time because mm -hmm. you know they're showing up to practice mm -hmm. and so they deserve it's kind of like that uh, last place trophy kind mm -hmm. of mindset I would say mm -hmm. um, so it's really interesting to hear you know how it it impacts really the whole team because in the coach I mean you're you made a great point like well you're not you're not the coach. Like, mm -hmm. you're not, you know. You, you're not like, at every practice. You don't know what not, we see. Right, right. So um, that 
you know, I'll definitely keep that that in mind. Not that I would think I'm the I mean, I have a daughter, she's mm-hmm. one year old. Okay. Um, you know, but it's even I don't think I would consider myself uh somebody a, 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 a parent like that, but now knowing that, I'll definitely you keep that in it's, mind. It's, you know what I mean? Kid, you never know. I mean, like, it was you crazy. never know. Because my dad, it was almost like karma, because my dad was crazy. He was one of those crazy parents. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so he was one of those crazy parents. And I said, Dad, like, you gave me your karma because now the way you used to talk about coaches, and I'm getting talked about now as a coach and stuff like that, but he was one of those parents. And for me, being a coach, I'm not one of those parents because I know what it's like being a coach. Mm. So I just sit back. I don't say nothing during games. Don't say a word. I'm so quiet. You don't know if I'm happy at my daughter. If I'm, I don't say a word during games. Mm. Rarely say anything. Don't say nothing. Um, I never speak to the coaches during games. Don't talk about it. Um, and then if they're, if my daughter is not playing, I'm just, hey, coach, what is it? You know, to me, it's how you talk to these coaches. Like, I'm not saying, I'm going to say, coach, you know, what is it that my daughter needs to work on in order to play? You know, what does she have to work on? Mm-hmm. I'm going to let the coach tell me, okay, what does she have to work on? Like, it's how you talk to them. So I'm not going to just come at them and say, I'm gonna like, hey, what does all they have to do to get more playing time for you? And so I could make sure I could get her the right attention and the right people in her life to get her to that point um, and stuff like that. So, but I've never been one of those. I keep to myself, I let coaches coach because I've been in a position and it's not an easy job. And it's even worse when, like, imagine your daughter when she's about four or five you guys are going to put her in soccer because that's the first sport they play. And then it's going to be a, a parent that's volunteering. And you had the opportunity to volunteer, but then you want to yell at this coach. Like, okay, well, why didn't y'all volunteer then? It's like, <laughs> and it's even worse. Like when they're like fitness, it's like, dude, nobody else wanted to do it. I'm just, and you're mad at me now. I'm like, really? Like, well, you had the same opportunity as me, but it's crazy when you see like parents yelling at five and six year olds and coaches and it's ridiculous. Like it's, it's not fun. So Mm-hmm. I've just learned to sit back and as a parent, just do your research and just try to find the right person for your kids. So you can just sit back and be a parent, like be a parent. Don't be a coach, be a parent. And I'm telling you, my daughter would tell you our relationship was like, we're like the best because I became dad and she loved when I was just dad, not mm-hmm. coach. I was dad. And, and I learned a lot from my second daughter. Like my first daughter says, dad, you're easier with Audie than you was with me. I'm like, well, I was learning from you. It was a learning experience. <laughs> like, it was, you know, I learned from you. Like, but don't get it twisted. You know, we got to Florida, but I probably should. I could have taken another way. I probably could have been a little bit easier and got to the Florida, but I didn't know anyway. I just knew this one way. But you was a learning experience. You was my first kid. I don't, it was, a, I had to learn on the run. I mean, it's different when it's your own. But Audie, I said, you know what? I probably could still get the same results by doing it a different way, you know, and you learn it as you get older and stuff like that. But I didn't know. I just went full all throttle with Alex and with Audie, I'm a little bit more, you know, reserved. And also Lex was more of an individual sport. So it was all you in soccer. I can't really just put everything on Audie because she has other teammates around her that maybe can't get her the ball or whatever. But with you, Lex, it was you. It was just you. Mm-hmm. So if you got beat, you got beat, you know, because track is different. It's mm-hmm. like people say track is not a sport. You can't play track. You know, you play sports, you can't play track. It's 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 different. So um, I was real hard on my first one, but I learned as a parent, and I made mistakes. And I tell her that, you know, Dad, I made my mistakes with you, but if you have another child, you're going to learn so much after your first one that, oh, yeah, I, I know more about this second one <laughs> that I could do a little bit easier. And, and your second one's going to be like, your oldest going to be like, Mom, why, are y'all didn't, why didn't y'all do this with her? Or why is it? Mm-hmm. I learned, trust me. So, um 
I can see that, especially mm-hmm. like when you were, uh, you know, when I was uh, making the the comment about like pushing the kids, and then mm-hmm. you mentioned like there's a place, right? Like mm-hmm. let the coach be the a hole, mm-hmm. and then you go on and 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 be a parent. Be a parent. It's the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, but you could just be. You don't understand, like I. Like I said, imagine your daughter. Yeah, but you're having a daughter, right? Your daughter is playing sports. And you guys are those um, parents like, oh, when we get in this car ride, oh, I can't wait to get in this car ride. We're going. And then I hear from their coach saying you suck. Now your parents are telling like, where do they go now? They have no outlet. Yeah. Like, they can't even go to their own mom and dad to, to get a, like, man, it's like, and you wonder why now when you think about mental issues we're having and kids are now committing suicide, mental health is real. And these kids don't have that outlet no more yeah. because everybody is always like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. so that's why I'm dad. Like, I'm dad. Like, I tell my daughter, look, if it ever gets to that point, let, let it go. It ain't that serious. It's not that serious. Like, if you got to the point where you contemplate your life over a sport, dude, let it go. Like, it's not that serious. But it's because these kids, sometimes if they go to my dad, he going to get on me. Mom getting on me. Coach getting on me. Like, where can I go for just that peace of mind? And I became dad, and my daughter would sit here and tell you that's when our relationship became like best friends when I was dad because now she was scared to come to me after a track meet because she's like, man, dad going to get on me. He's going to tell me I sucked, you know, and when she was able to come to me like, hey, baby girl, you did good. Don't worry about that. We're going to get it. We're going to fix it this week. We're going to get at it this week, and we're going we gonna to fix that. Now she enjoys coming to me mm. after track meets because she know dad going to be like, we got this. We're going to get back at it next week. We got this. So... Like, she's mad if I'm not at her track meets. Dad, are you coming out to our track meet? Dad, are you going to be here, Dad? Because she know it's Dad now, not coach. It's Dad. Mm, so it's it's fun that. when you could just say, as a parent, we're going we gonna to get it. You know, I'm going to get you a new – if I got to get you a new trainer next week, we're going to find somebody different. But don't worry about the baby girl. You did good, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then now, every once in a while, yeah, I talk sports to her. Like, she might say, Dad, what do you think I need to – you kind of got out bad on your starts, but – it ain't nothing you can't fix now, you know, instead of being like, man, you suck today. That was horrible. That's bull crap, you know, and these kids already know these days. They already know they did bad. So why they got to hear it again? And so it's the mental part. And I don't know if you've ever had um, a mental person on your show that talks about the mental part of sports and how it's becoming a big issue. But that would be a very topic that I would love to hear because mental, the mental part of dealing with athletes with a mental state, not just athletes, anybody, this, this mental part is crazy. You're hearing so many different stories about people taking their life because of the mental part, and it's real. Yeah. And you can't see mental. That's what's hard. You can't right. see it. Right. And, yeah, I believe, like, it, suicide is all-time high mm-hmm. right now for teenagers um, right now. And we touch the subject, I would say, almost, if not all, podcasts of, mm-hmm. like, mental health, uh, regardless of who's sitting on the chair, what career path, whether – you know, their business or they're in education or they're in sports. Um, I have not actually had an expert, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have someone in mind that um, that might be coming on the show soon that they they work directly with uh, they with, you know, people that that need help. Uh, like, but at this point, it, like they're professionals. Right. So it's interesting. Yeah, the youth is tough. Like I would love the, to, the youth, yeah, the youth right. part because it's it's scary. You know, it's scary with the mental part of sports. And the hard part is that, and that's why I keep telling you, like, I try to really challenge the mental part with these kids. 
because yeah. that's the part that again we're lacking because everybody just finds another easy way to get out of it and you're not mentally tough to deal with i'm not playing or because you're not raised that way to fight through you're raised to move on and quit and the hard part about mental is you can't see it so people think it's an excuse you know, if you got a broken foot, it's a broken foot. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's broke. You know, but if you say, oh, I'm just not into a mental health, that's an excuse, whatever. I don't want to hear that. You know, toughen up. But mm. it's not, it's, it's different now. Mental mental stuff is for real these days, and people don't believe it. Mm. You got people that still think it's, it's an excuse. Mm. If they get beat, oh, I'm just mentally, oh, that's an excuse. The next thing you know, you hear about that person killed herself now because you thought there was an excuse, but they really needed help. Um, I remember that gymnastics person that was getting it bad because they said she was in the air and she was had the twisties, whatever, and she couldn't. She's one of the best gymnasts in the world, and she just said mentally, it's she just started getting in the air and started getting scared that she's going to. And so she was mentally messed up, but people was like, "No, nah, she's just losing it. It's not mental. It's just an excuse because mm. she couldn't stick her land. That's an excuse because you can't see mental. Um, but it's real. And I had a daughter that, like I said, that went through it, and it's serious. You know, being an athlete, it's tough mentally. When you go to these schools like a Florida and you're not competing or you're not, you feel like you're not scoring or doing what you need to do, it's it's tough because you feel like, man, they don't want me no more. Or mm-hmm. and it's now you're dealing with the mental part of it. And now you're 19 years old trying to figure it out and you're dealing with something that's mental, it's tough. So that's why it's good when you could be dad and these kids could come to you about certain things because it's 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 gonna come a point where they wanna you wanna have to be mom. Um, and stuff like that. But now you got moms like yourself that are just as competitive as dads now. And moms are now tough, getting tougher <laughs> like dads now. Like, no, 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 no. He needs to, she needs to go back out there and play. I don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. So moms, because mm-hmm. back in our day, it was like the moms were moms. And they, baby, and the, but now these moms now, I see some of these moms, man, they worse than the dads now. It's stuff like that. So moms are now competitive now where now these kids have nowhere to go. Dads on them, moms on them. Because back in our day, so you could true. always go to moms. But now, Moms are now doing jitsu now. Moms are competitive just like dads now. So um, it's tough. So, I mean, I just, I tell parents, man, at some point, be dad, be mom, so they could just come to you about their problems and they could feel they could come to you about everything. And people see me and my daughter's bonds and they want, they wonder why my daughter could come right up to me after a soccer game because she knows she's not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Why you got some of these parents like, oh, let me be around this way because my dad's about to get on me. My dad about to yell. I got to hear my dad all day today. Right. And the only thing I will ever get on my kids, the only time I get on them is effort. That's mm. it. Everything else, because you can control your effort. You control your effort. Now, you play hard. I'm cool. But everything else, I'm not mad at you if you miss shots or – but your effort, you better not ever not play hard mm. because that's just mm. hard. That's just being lazy. So – that's the only time I would check my kid after a game. It's like, you know what? That effort was ridiculous. But for the most part, I don't have to say nothing. As long as you give me the effort, I'm good. Mm. Like, but that's the only time I will probably say something after a game if I feel like my kid didn't go hard. That's it. And for the most part, I'm just dad and hugging, good job, and let the co- hopefully the coach is telling you what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the, That's why you got to have coaches. I hope they telling you, I see what you did wrong. I'm sure is hoping that the coach is telling you that mm-hmm. and I could be that. It's uh it's that whole support system and mm-hmm. it's you know coaches do their part, parents do their part, you know, teachers do their part and at the end of the day it's like all of us individually but we're all really united. 
um, and everything matters. Mm-hmm. Everything matters, and I and I love that um, that advice. I and I thank you for it because let me tell you that I I'm I'm taking it and running with it mm-hmm. because it's it's so valuable. Um, and 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 I did I learned a lot like just everything you've said like and and it all it's like kind of pieces of puzzle just kind of fitting together it all makes sense mm-hmm. um, and and um, the intention um, of why you do things it's it's definitely something that's very admirable respect and very respectful and no doubt why you know you're you're people are knocking on your doors mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, to train and maybe at some point you have to, you know, say, I, I don't have the space, mm-hmm. but again, it's not because not of love, it's to stay true to, you know, to, to providing that value to those yeah. kids that mm-hmm. you have. You keep it, yeah, that's it. So I enjoy it. And I just, like I said, I just try to challenge every kid, you know, mentally. Um, and I'm sure they challenge you at some, in some, in some level. It's 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 always gonna be a challenge to me because I always wanna I always wanna want I'm always gonna see something that they don't see yet so that's a challenge for me because I see it you know I'm like this kid in about three years if he sticks with it like so yes it's a challenge for me because I I feel that you know if they don't make it I feel like I had a it was my fault like I should have done more so I'm always gonna challenge myself to do mm. everything I can possibly to get that kid to some level but I also know that. It's gonna take that village. It just can't take me because most mm-hmm. likely as a trainer, you're probably only gonna see that kid at the most two or three times a week. So it's gonna be the other four or five days. What are they doing? So I'm hoping that they're doing stuff on their own, that their parents are out there working with them also, that their coaches and all that, because I only could do so much. And so it takes, like I said, it's all of us, you know, and things like that. But um, it is challenging because I'm I challenge myself to, you know do the best version of me that I can. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when you get a dad that says, man, you know, my kid didn't make a shot today. I'm like, is that a shot at me? Or are you trying to tell me something? So you take it personal. I mean, it's it's a tough job because when things don't go right, they're going to think mm-hmm. it's the trainer. Mm-hmm. But it's also a good feeling when they say, man, my kid had a great day today. You're like, yeah, you know, and stuff like that. But it's, it's a tough job because we all know that in this profession, it, when things are great, it's, Somebody else's when things go bad, it was my fault. You know, it's, it's just the world we live in. So as as coaches and as trainers, we know we're getting into. If these parents are paying their money to see results, and I could sit here and say, "Man, this kid is getting better," like I see it, but for some reason, it might not click right away. Maybe it's not translating yet on a basketball court, and these mm-hmm. parents don't want to be patient enough to say, "Man, look, your kid when he first came in here, he couldn't dribble or shoot. He could dribble or shoot now, but now." He still might not be scoring, but I see the improvement. It just hasn't clicked yet how, how to mm-hmm. transfer what we're doing here on the basketball court. And um, these parents, they want that instant, like, meal. Like, they want it to happen right off the bat. And it takes time to translate this to game-like stuff. Um, but I see the improvement, but the parents only see improvement by how many points they score. Mm-hmm. And if they're not scoring points, they feel like their kids suck and everything is based on how many points that my kids score. Um, but I see so many other things that your kid is better at that you don't even notice because you're worried about his scoring. Like, man, did you see his help side defense? Did you see the way that he sprint down court? Did you see the way he was talking on defense? Did you see the way he got up in his hand in the passing lane? Like, dude, like, he had a great game, but you think he had a bad game because he didn't make a shot. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, that's only one part of the game. So 
it's you know it's multi-dimensional um, and not just one dimensional. So I do. It, it is challenging, and I do challenge myself because I also know when you do stuff like this, you're going to get fault when you're when their kid is not playing well, or you might see, okay, this kid hasn't been here in a week. He must have played bad, and the, the parent just tuck away. You know, I'm paying this money for nothing. You ain't even getting better. Mm -hmm. He's and you're like they have no idea like how this works. So yeah, it's. Mm -hmm. So what what is what does Reggie Brown like to do to decompress or like your you time? That what is do you my like? you time. That is that is that's my therapy. I'm I'm I love it. But of course, if I'm not um, doing training, of course, you know, I'm at LA Fitness just doing my own workout or just enjoy watching my daughters, you know, do what they do if it's track or soccer. But right mm -hmm. now, like going to the bubble is what I enjoy doing, like because I don't have to do that. That's like my my therapy, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like what you're doing here. Like, mm -hmm. you enjoy doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, for three hours when you bring a guest in here, this is probably therapeutic for you to sit back, talk, and enjoy yourself, and you enjoy doing this. You know, your real work is probably out there in the real estate business and doing that and trying to get people into homes and all this. This is like yeah, your, you're 100% your, it's, right. It's fun. You enjoy doing this. Yeah. You know, and this is what it's all about. So it's kind of like this is like having this mic up to your to you is – me like being at the bubble it's it's fun you know and for you i'm pretty sure something that you and your husband enjoy doing together and it's, it's great so being at the bubble is like my place of because this is mine yeah i enjoy it like this is like wow like man look how far this gym has come i mean and it's i i this last year at the super bowl while everybody else was at the super bowl and all that i went to the bubble and just watched Bowl by myself just mm. had the tv on there and I was just enjoying being at the bubble by myself, just enjoying it because I just like being there. It's just a great place for me, and I just enjoy it. It's my – I don't know where I'll be because we all have issues. We deal with anxiety, all this kind of stuff. But for me, being at that bubble is like, man, whatever I'm going through, it's it's therapeutic for me just to see these kids. And like, I, like when my brother passed away – I need these kids when they needed me, you know, like, dude, y'all don't realize I need y'all right now. Mm. You know, like it's, I need y'all right now. Like I just lost my brother. Like, and, uh, so being, and I said, y'all don't realize like, dude, like I need y'all. So these last six months, these kids have meant more than me than anything because, you know, if you ever lost a sibling, that's one of the hardest things in the world to deal with losing a sibling, especially un unexpectedly, you know, like I said, you know, and I like to share the story because, one of my friends texted me about maybe four weeks ago, and I put it on my Facebook. He said, Reggie, um, if it wasn't for you sharing that story about your brother, I wouldn't have went to the doctor, and I wouldn't be here right now. So it's like my brother still changing lives while he's in heaven because he said, if it wasn't for your brother, I wouldn't be here. The doctor even told me that because he found out he had all this stuff wrong with him, but he said, because you shared that story with your brother, I went to the doctor. And so it was like, cool that my brother is still here. So... Um, you know, and, and things like that. So I tell these kids, man, like, you guys are helping me because, again, like, my brother was fine. You know, he was went out Friday. His girlfriend came in time from Ohio, went out Friday, and then Saturday, you know, they went out. Then Sunday she said your brother was telling me about his dream. And then next thing you know, she goes, you know, he just, like, was spooning me like he was laying down, and he died. So it was like, okay, so – to me, it's like, you know, now since that's happened, like, so being around those kids has been very therapeutic because I'm still healing, you know, losing your best friend and your mentor and everybody, we're all still healing. But those kids have been very what I needed. So 
right now is like, man, like I need them more than they need me. They have no idea, like, man, like they're helping me get through the probably the most difficult time of these last six months. So these kids have been a blessing to me. So I'm glad that I started the bubble because if it wasn't for the bubble, I don't know how I would have made it these six months just trying to find words. Now that those four or five hours, I don't have to think about my brother that much. I could just focus on those kids, and it's been very good for me. So that's my therapeutic is being around those kids has been probably the best thing for me right now. I love that. <laughs> I didn't want to ask really because I, I knew it was kind of recent, so yeah. I didn't really want to touch a lot on that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, every every podcast I end it with um, what your personal definition of happiness. I'm now I think I got a pretty good feel of what that may be, but like definition wise, what is your definition what do you think it may be? of happiness? What do you think it may be? Helping others get <laughs> better. Probably, yeah, I mean it's um that's it just changing lives, you know. Um just, you know, learning from my mistakes, hoping these kids don't make the same mistakes I've made, you know, um use my experience and you know my trials and tribulations to now you know help advise. this yeah advise and help this new generation of kids and um because like i said just changing a lot like i said impact the one kid life to me like with b has been a blessing for me and i'm pretty sure it's gonna be more to come through but to me that's like it like i said just changing lives and just being there for these kids and knowing that they have somebody else to come to mm. if they need support or anything, they know I'm here for them. So, you know, I appreciate you, you know, allowing me to have a platform to, you know, speak about these issues and a little bit about my life and my brother and my sister and, you know, my parents and just everything. So it's been, it's been real cool. Uh, I, I thank you for, for sharing and, and, you know, sharing, uh, your life basically I know for a lot of people it's not easy mm -hmm. um I think there is tremendous value um not just for the people that are going to see you know whenever it comes out but just for the years to come um so thank you I appreciate that <laughs> all right well till next one everyone